0: yo 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 welcome to the show
1: live from smitty1.com studios it's the fantasy football show Live! live
0: what's going on everybody glad to join you here on a Thursday, today is April 15th, 2021, um, a Thursday, and we've got a very, 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 very special guest joining us a little bit later in the show, Mr. Jason Moore from the Fantasy Footballers. You might have heard of him. He's coming on probably the last hour, so we're looking at potentially 6 uh, o'clock Eastern so look for this man right here hopefully brings that smile positive vibe and and we'll talk to him about some big-time fantasy football information so do not miss the final hour of the show or you will miss mr. Jason Moore from the fantasy footballers Uh, we're going to talk about some news don't know that there's a lot of you know new stuff hitting uh, news wires today um, You know, we're, we're done with the Deshaun Watson stuff for now Until, you know, updates happen with that So we're not going to go over that Don't worry, don't worry But you do need to let your friends know To come on over here So let everybody know what is up Let me give you the link that you can spread around Tell them to let me know that you sent them And I will put it on the screen And that would give you a little bit of a shout out What's up Russ, what's up everybody What's going on Leonardo, uh, Leonardo Nick, Okafer. Russ, Juju, Forty Nine er Media, Jake. If I missed anybody. I apologize that came in early. Um, let's get to some of the the news, I guess. That's floating around the the NFL. One, there's some been some Falcons signings and running back situations, like kind of uh, you know Patterson, um, but Hill or uh, Ito Smith being released. Hill's gone, right? So you have. One guy sitting atop the depth chart in um, Atlanta, and that is Mike Davis. Now, where do we rank Mike Davis in fantasy football heading into 2021? Very, 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 very tough thing to figure. Um, I probably have Mike Davis in a very safe, low-end running back one position. They still could add a running back, but they they certainly look like they're going to be leaning on him contract-wise, um, based on how he played in 2020. I believe they believe that he can be the full-time guy. They're going to bring in somebody. They'll probably draft a rookie. Now, the, the thing people need to keep in mind with these rookies is anybody, anybody can 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 walk into an organization in the third or fourth round as a running back and completely destroy the value or cloudy up the value of the running back that you um you know are excited about so someone like mike davis somebody like miles sanders somebody like man even cam Akers. like I, I i know we're going to talk a little cam Akers in here i've got a lot of pushback from people based on my last video i, I don't know if I, I said this on the live stream or if this is in another video i believe it's the mock draft video too but i got a lot of hate smitty what's with the hate for cam Akers, bro like dial it back. Like explain to me why you don't like Cam Akers. I think it's pretty evident why I worry about Cam Akers. Am I saying I hate him? No. Am I saying he could be he can't be a running back one? He absolutely could be a running back one. But there's a certain point where a guy climbs up into the risky area and let's put Cam Akers on screen because that's who we're talking about. Uh Cam Akers value for twenty twenty one. And throw that puppy right on screen. There we go. Um, Can Cam Akers earn running back one value? Absolutely. Like I just said, he could. But are the the Rams capable of completely jacking this up? 100%. Could they turn toward Henderson even though people think no way? They already would have done that. Yes, they could, because Henderson did have a good season at one point, a little part of the season, a stint, as long as Akers is good stint. Now, Akers leaves with a bunch of momentum. That's a great thing. Um, momentum is important. But with the Rams, what we've learned is momentum doesn't really 100% lock you into being a productive, uh, long-term, trustworthy fantasy football option. And we haven't seen them commit to somebody or prove me wrong on that since Todd Gurley failed and they misused him. They lied about everything the entire way. Oh, we forgot to use the man in the Super Bowl. Ha, huh, that's funny. There he is over on the bench. You know, we from the beginning of that, coming out of the Super Bowl, that that specific Super Bowl, he was number one, number two overall in fantasy football. Todd Gurley people were not that scared off. They were they were kind of wondering, okay, uh why didn't he play in the Super Bowl? Is he hurt? If he's hurt, that's okay. You know, he'll still be the number 1 or number 2 overall pick. We're drafting Barkley coming off ACL surgery in the top 4 right now, which I think is is fine. I like Barkley a lot and we can talk about Barkley next. Um but you know, injury doesn't concern me. The type of injury concerns me the surrounding red flags concern me so with Todd Gurley it was very evident something was being held back they were being uh, uh, they were misleading everybody when it came to this situation so I started beating the drum boom boom constantly uh, in You know, February, March, April, May. I broke the iPad. I did the 10,000. No, Todd Gurley. No, Todd Gurley. No, Todd Gurley. No, Todd Gurley. 10,000 times on my show. In a row. No, Todd Gurley. No, Todd Gurley. No, Todd Gurley. I don't remember if I rung the bell or not. But I did that for Todd Gurley Awareness. Okay? Um, I just kind of launched that channel too. And so... There was a lot to be worried about. Since that point in time, they've drafted Daryl Henderson high. They didn't use him. They drafted Akers high. They didn't use him until the end of the year. Akers looked good, but but was I wrong in saying avoid Acres in 2020? Not really. Because a lot of people drafted him where you would draft like a, an incoming rookie right now, like a let's say Javonta Williams lands in a pretty decent spot. You, you had acres going, in some cases, that high walking into 2020. And a lot of people couldn't use them until the very end when it was too late. So, you know, he failed a lot of people last year. Or the Rams failed. Now, he looked good at the end of the season. No question about it. He looks like a running back one. No question about it. He looks like he has power and speed and and things that you know i probably didn't even give him enough credit talent wise coming into the nfl because of my concern for that situation itself all the red flags surrounding that situation but then the injury history uh and he was banged up there is some reason to worry about injury history especially if you couple it with his style of play because his style of play is very, 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 very aggressive to his own body. His style of play is one of which he has an innate instinct to lower his head and and just jam his spine into you until he runs you over. And that worked really well at the college level with smaller guys. Now, he did really well at the end of the year, breaking through little rushing lanes and just completely showing his speed and elusiveness and didn't have to do that as much but he was a little bit of an injury like worry and I think that that carries over so the problem for me is that you have a little bit of an injury concern you have a, a big big trust concern and lack of trust with that coaching staff and how they use their running backs how they trust and unleash them how they understand what we understand so for a moment When you think, oh, Smitty, you just, you just hate Akers. You absolutely hate Akers, Smitty. Before we get to that point, I think it's really, really important to know that I'm saying I like him. I'm saying I like him way more than I did now that he's in the NFL. Marshawn Lynch was a good running back in college. He looked like a very nice prospect in college, but he became a much better player once he was in the NFL. That happens, that doesn't make me a hypocrite, that doesn't make me a backtracker, it makes me a non-biased person who's able to adjust and adapt and give you guys the proper fantasy football advice at the right time and ensure I'm going with the flow of how things really are, not digging my heels in and saying, well, I didn't like anchors before, I can't look stupid, so I'm going to dig my heels in and keep going. That's not what I'm about. I can change directions like that. I can be against that player, but understand, hey, there's value now. Very, very against Joe Mixon for how long? Two years in a row. Don't draft Joe Mixon. No Joe Mixon. No Joe Mixon. No Joe Mixon. Two years in a row, he busted. This year, he looks kind of good in the third round in, in at least one league, but he may not fall there because of Bernard. You know, old man Bernard, who looks like Antonio Brown's father left and now everybody's like oh joe mixon and so he might climb back into the second round where i'm going to be back to no joe mixon not not as a second drafted player you can fool somebody once you can fool somebody twice but you damn well better not be fooled three times on my watch because i'm sitting here from the rooftop screaming at you constantly no joe mixon over and over and over. Year after year. Same thing with Miles Sanders. Who was the biggest Miles Sanders doubter at number 14 overall ADP? This man right here. And I like Miles Sanders in 2021. Now that Peterson's gone. The running back by committee. Monster. Uh, now that Peterson's gone. The guy doesn't know what players to push out there on the field. Um, the, the, it's crazy. Live on... The fantasy football show. I'm posting this on uh, uh, Clubhouse right now. Okay, so we're live on Clubhouse 2. Let visitors in. Okay, so we're here. Live on, on uh, Clubhouse right now. Clubhouse, you're live on the Fantasy Football Show Live, so you're just listening. I'm sorry I'm not engaging with you, but I want to give the people a, a chance to listen to the show live. It's a three-hour show, so buckle up. Buckle up, or it's Raj! It's Raj! What's up, Raj? Raj, dial in later. Okay, I might, later in the show, Raj, you might uh, dial in, but I'm going to have the Fantasy Footballers on, um, so I'm not sure if I'll we'll, we'll answer. Maybe I'll patch you in if you do call during that time. What I'm talking about right now is... Uh, freaking! Uh, what was I talking about? Acres, Acres. So I love, I love Acres. I love Acres for what he is, but what he's not to me is a very safe top twelve pick. He's not great at number ten to me. There's not a lot of protected in value at number ten, number eleven. I like Acres in the right situation. I like Miles Sanders, like I said, in the right situation. And I was very, very against Miles Sanders all year last year because he was going at number freaking 14 overall you're not protected at all there's no risk baked into that pie whatsoever and the same thing with Joe Mixon over and over here we go again if he climbs into the second round I'm out I'm out I do like him I do like him at third round value it's very there's a very different value when you talk about third round third drafted player value and second drafted player value especially when you're talking about a player that that has a whole bunch of risk so circling back to uh freaking uh acres i i i like him as a low-end running back one i worry a lot about henderson you could cuff the two together to, to try and mitigate some of that workload risk but who's to say you're going to be able to, to know who's going to start each week It's going to be Akers out of the gate. Let me repeat. Akers will be the running back one out of the gate. And there's going to be so much uh, hate on this video from the start. I, I could just see it in the comments. Smitty, you're wrong about this. I'm not wrong because I'm telling you, Akers is a running back one. Okay, so let me take away your ammunition right now. He's a running back one. But is he worth paying for at eight overall value when there's a whole bunch of risk attached to his name from injury risk to decision-making by that coaching staff, will he be starting 16 games for you and earning that number eight overall value? Or is it more about me saying, hey, I like Akers, but I like a lot of these other players around eight overall better than Akers, nine overall, 10 overall. I see Akers and Swift going back-to-back by t- by some of the same people over and over, and it's freaking, it's freaking crazy. It's, you know, Swift especially, like, talk about a, a player that's overdrafted. Devonta Swift, I think, has taken a little bit of a tumble. His ADP was super high. But since they traded away Stafford, his ADP plummeted back into, like, the top of the third round. Third round, player value. Third, drafted player value. Like I said with Mixon. Like I said with Miles Sanders. I'm kind of okay with that for Swift. I'd probably rank him a little lower than the average bear still. I'm gonna have him like low third round, but but I I like him as a third drafted player way more than I like him as a second drafted player. And there are some people out there that are still doing this acres swift stack because I feel like if you like acres, you like Swift. If you've like if you like the kind of undervalued lead dog like Acres, he's very easy to get behind if you're one of those people that love the underdog. You know, because he's the underdog of the running back ones. No question about it. There are a lot of people that love him. He's got a lot of supporters. But he is the underdog running back one. And there's a personality type in fantasy football. You can see it now. It's the running back, running back, running back guy that typically loves acres. It's the running back, running back, running back guy that loves freaking drafting swift. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's your draft style. I'm not saying the running back, running back, running back is a bad uh, choice to make on draft day. I think it can lead to some holes that you can't overcome at wide receiver and other positions, but I do feel like if you if you have a tendency to draft Acres at 9 overall, you have the same tendency to draft Swift at number 14 or 13 or 12 overall. And I think you're you're double down you're doubling down on some on two players that have a bunch of upside, sure, but they have so much risk. And I'm not about that. When it comes to my number one overall pick, and there are so many good players at number eight, that let me let me play uh, a, a game here with you. So, if you're talking about Tyreek Hill, you're talking about Devonta <coughs> Devonta Adams. You're talking about Jonathan Taylor. I'm talking so much that I'm already got a dry throat, cotton mouth. You're talking about Jonathan Taylor. You're talking about Devonta Adams probably being gone, but I've seen him go as the second. Drafted player according to expert consensus rankings lately, which is weird. But Devonta Adams, Tyreek Hill. Like, these guys are a tad safer, in my opinion, than going acres at 10. Going acres at 10. Acres running back one overall, 2026. says Jonathan. Jonathan, that's... That's bold, bro. I like bold. And, and trust your gut, even over me. Trust your gut. Jonathan, if, if your gut... I'll tell anybody this. If your gut tells you something... Don't listen to anybody. Use advice like mine, advice like anybody's, to help push you or nudge you over the fence when you're on the fence, balancing between two different things. Do not let somebody like me talk you out of something you truly believe in because what's gonna happen? You're gonna resent me. You're gonna get upset at yourself. You're gonna say, I told you so. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. But guess what? If you don't do it, you didn't know it, okay? So if you know it, Jonathan... Do it, but I'm certainly not on board with you, but I still respect you, and you're my boy. But, Jonathan, no way do I feel he can be the run, the top running back in fantasy football because of the Rams, the Rams alone. Now, you got Stafford. That's good. They're going to pass a lot, but will they run the same? Will they run the same amount? Um, And, and again, with Akers, can he unlearn some of those tendencies he has that, that we didn't get a chance to really see shine through because he didn't get that long of a run. He didn't start for half of a year or a full season to see how he runs. He broke free, had a lot of big runs, um, looked really good, I admit, but this is at the end of the year after he was misused all year long. If Akers is that good, and I do believe he probably is that good, assuming he could stay healthy, which is one of my concerns, if he is that good, Why did the Rams wait so long to use him? He did have some nicks and and injuries and stuff, but why do the Rams do that? Because the Rams don't know what the hell they're doing with the running backs. They haven't since the Super Bowl where Todd Gurley took a dive. And I don't trust it. They misused Daryl Henderson. I'll go to my grave that Daryl Henderson could have been a monster, and we saw flashes of it. Last year, which was nice to see, it was nice to feel like, okay, I wasn't totally crazy to love Daryl Henderson the way that I did, but they completely misused the running backs. And what I said earlier in the show, I still feel there's a possibility here they could draft a running back. Not Again, not a big name running back, but in today's NFL draft situations where running backs fall so late, any team could draft a Chuba Hubbard. Or a Carter or a Jefferson or whoever that could cloudy up the situation. And we saw Henderson be taken pretty high, not get used in year one. Now that should tell you that if they draft a rookie, they probably won't push out the starter. But the bottom line is we don't know what the hell they're gonna do. It was Henderson. They've invested highly in him. They had to they had to want to roll with him, right? No. Then it was Acres. They drafted Acres higher than they drafted Henderson. He had to be the guy, and people drafted him as a very low end running back to high end flex, and didn't get to use him until they were out of the playoffs, and it was all a moot point anyway. So it's you know it's going to be a controversial topic the entire the entire offseason, I think, on my channel and inside my rankings, but am i really disrespecting acres that much when i say he's a third round pick to me am i really saying at 3.2 i feel 3.1 I, I love him you know i start to love him there there's a flip and i'm i'm sorry but the flip is a stark flip now granted if you've got the last pick in the in the second round you have the first pick in the in the third round it doesn't matter if you draft him at 2.12 or 3.01. My point being, if he is your third drafted player, or in an auction you you have him as one, one of your top three that are all kind of equal, you will put yourself in a position that if if Akers fails, you probably still get a lot of your money back and investment, and you don't lose your league. If you put everything you have in the Rams coaching staff with your number one overall pick, you're making a very big risky decision in play and bet on that Rams staff and i'm not willing to do that i would be willing to do that on acres maybe but not on the rams coaching staff i'm out when it comes to that kind of value uh who is the next guy we're going to talk about swift i i, I guess we'll go to swift next i i already touched on it briefly but DeAndre Swift is a talented running back. You know who else was talented that everyone's going to pretend wasn't now? We're going to say, ah, oh, he's garbage. Carry on Johnson. Carry on Johnson. Injuries, misuse, horrible situation. Detroit never, ever, ever producing good running back value consistently, at least, since Barry Sanders. They almost did with Reggie Bush. It didn't work. The, the the Detroit Lions are cursed. Why people are feeling good about Swift right now when they got rid of their quarterback, sent Stafford over to the Rams. They've got a new quarterback in Goff that's very underwhelming to begin with. But now you give, let, let's paint this picture because you have a lot of people saying Goff's not that bad. You know, Goff could do okay, right, Smitty? Okay, Goff will be okay. He'll be fine. Okay, so let's let's paint this picture then. You got a guy in golf that's going over to a place in Detroit that this guy that's going to you know take the world on now in Stafford, a lot of people love Stafford. He finally gets a chance. Stafford's gonna blow up. He couldn't do it over there. He couldn't stay consistent over there. It it, it it's crazy that anybody feels like Swift's value is going to improve with the other pieces like Galladay gone, Stafford gone. Now they're going to run the ball more. He'll get a lot of opportunity. Opportunity in volume doesn't always lead to production. It can lead to injury, especially if you're getting no first round, first downs, you're inefficient. And, and having Goff there, having no Galladay, they may draft a rookie wide receiver, but will that receiver do extremely well right out of the gate? If it's Devonta Smith, I'll be a little bit down and depressed on it, and I'll have to really do an inward look at my Devonta Smith rankings for 2021. I think long-term, he would still figure out a way to become what he's supposed to become. I think good wide receivers do that, especially Calvin Johnson um, did that in Detroit, ironically. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins did it for a while until he got his man. But I think DeAndre Swift is setting a lot of people up for disappointment if you're expecting him to be anything but a third drafted player. If you're going to draft him draft him at 3.4, I'm okay with that. I'm not mad at that. I don't think you're making a mistake. I may not draft him there because just because of by default, there are better players that I like. Not that I hate Swift. Not that I think Swift is garbage at that range. I just think there are still a couple people falling into that third round that I, I just love more. Would I rather have Najee Harris in a redraft or or ETN than DeAndre Swift? I would. And if that's that's not your cup of tea, then it's not your cup of tea. And and it's fine. We can all have different opinions. Hit the thumbs up on your way in. and, and, And send the link out to people. Let me put this in the chat. And tell them to let me know you sent them. And I will put their name and your name on the screen. And shout you out for bringing in the peeps. Bringing them in. So spread that link around. Swift, I, I, I just don't see it second round about what's what's he doing at 14 15 overall in mock drafts I don't understand and so many times so many times it's the same player or owner that drafted acres at, at 11 or 10 they draft swift at 13 or 14 it's, it's just a personality type they love the underdog running back and these are the two that they want together paired together they're always together it's crazy so to recap I don't hate swift I don't hate Akers. I I think there's value for any player once they cross that line in the sand. It's avoid, 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 avoid. Flips over to a good value. And Swift's flip point, his line in the sand where he becomes risk, risk, risk. On down to a good value. is third draft, a player territory. The same place for Miles Sanders. The same place for Joe Mixon. The same place for Acres, And Acres you could put right at the top of the third round. I'm fine with that just as long as he's in that third-drafted player value range. I don't care if it's your 2.12 or whatever. I'm just saying he needs to look like your third-drafted player when you look at your roster, or you will have a pretty light-looking team, especially if things go a little badly and they're not as good as you think for Akers. Now, again, if Akers starts going crazy... And the team starts feeding him. The team feels very confident in him. They show a lot of support for him. They don't do this whole well. No, we're going to mix our running backs around. Like, I could just see news breaking tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to use multiple running backs. We love Daryl Henderson. We're going to, you know, we could look to even draft a back. Like, if anybody thinks the Rams aren't capable of that, you're biasly in favor of your dynasty player named Cam Akers. If you don't think that's a possibility that the Rams could screw this up, then you own... Akers, congratulations, Akers owner. You have a good player, a lot of upside, but you are defending him at all costs without even like breaking down the situation. I like Akers. I like him. I repeat, I like him. And if he starts getting fed out the gate, I like him a lot. And he still has some injury concern for me, but I like him. And so I will be fine with drafting him at a certain point. Could that value climb from 3.1 up? Certainly could. Like I told you, I'm not going to biasly dig my heels in on a point and not make it adapt to what's going on. I'm very, very cognizant of player value changes and risk going away. So whatever the case may be, I'm not worried about freaking Cam Akers. Uh, you know, playing well when he's being fed. It's about the Rams. It's also about the injuries. Once he's on the field, I love him. Once he's getting fed, I love him. If he's healthy, I love him. But there are factors at play that make it concerning. I took Gibson, CEH, and James Robinson in the start, and a startup, uh, sorry, okay. Third, early, fourth, lots of trades down over Swift and Acres. Trade downs, um, Swift and Acres. I took Gibson, Clyde Edwards, Lair, and James Robinson in a startup. I like that, bro. I think Jane let's talk about James Robinson for a second. Because I think that's a, a really good topic. I gotta stand up again. James Robinson. j rob is extremely undervalued. What are people doing undervaluing this guy? J-rob in Dynasty, J Rob has a freaking. Three, third round value. J-Rob's being drafted in the place I'm recommending you draft Acres, and J-Rob's going there in, in Dynasty. I was, I was shocked the first time I heard that he had a third round cemented in ADP in Dynasty. I was like, how the hell is that possible from a guy that pretty much every indication is that he's going to have the most opportunity to be a top 10 running back, and he's floating around 3.1, 3.4, 3.3, 3. Point. Like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Let me put J Rob on screen here. I love James Robinson's value. James, Rob, and Sun. I mean that's fantastic value, guys. There's little, little, little risk in James Robinson as a third-drafted player in Dynasty. And you're going to have a lot of people say, smitty, uh, you smitty. Know, hold on. Hold on. But, but Smitty, but Smitty, James Robinson's an unrestricted free agent. Let me get, sorry, Nicholas. I'm going to get rid of your mug. It's just in the way, bro. You're just in the way. I need to get you out of the way, bro. James Robinson, Smitty, is an unrestricted free agent. And unrestricted free agents don't fit the player profile, the model, Smitty. They don't fit the model. They don't. And on top of that, they don't get a second contract. I hear that over and over. It's all about second contracts and models, and uh coaches aren't gonna believe in a guy that was a unrestricted free agent. Urban Meyer's coming over and's gonna want his own guy. Urban Meyer doesn't know that he has one of the most talented up and coming running backs that no one saw coming from a a, a, a macro level. Yeah, he's just going to walk in and go hmm Let me see here. Let me see here. James Robinson was an unrestricted fr- what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? Something has to be wrong with him because what I saw last year doesn't match what everybody thought he would he would bring to the table, so therefore he's got to suck. I'm going to put him on the bench. We're going to bring someone else in. And and you ask a coach, are you bringing anybody else in? Is James Ro- James Robinson going to get 100% of the carries, coach? We're going to bring someone in to spell him. And then what do people do in the news world? Cut it up. We're going to bring someone in. That's what you hear. No, it's urban. It's They're going to give him a breather. They're going to not make James Robinson hit a stacked box all year like he did last year one of the most efficient runners in my opinion based on what he was given because the dude averaged like four point what was it four somebody pull up the here i'll pull up the stats james robinson stats right here james robinson stats 2020 there we go james robinson i'm gonna screenshot this bad boy and put it on screen for you. Because his stats were out of control. Out of freaking control. For given the situation this man dealt with. Out of freaking control. And, and I've seen some stats where people are like, he was inefficient here. Or he was inefficient here when he was facing eight man fronts. Or whatever. The dude... Okay, let's just back up and talk about his stats. Whatever stat someone's trying to manipulate and say, Oh, but if you put him in a seven and a half man box... In the third quarter, when they're out of hot dogs, and they're screaming, and and the four people in the crowd are screaming, and there's no one in the crowd. If it's an empty stadium versus a non-empty stadium, the dude was inefficient. The dude had 4.5 yards per carry. 4.5 yards per carry. Seven TDs on the ground. Three TDs through the air. Ten total. Look, I'm using both hands, Mom. 10 total Tds 1070 on the ground 344 receiving and 49 receptions and the most important stat how many games did he play how many games did he play James was it 14 James Robinson we should have brought this stat up because I would have had that in the freaking column box uh 14 correct I'm correct 14 games. 14 games, he did this in 14 games, and you're worried? And nonetheless, you're worried at third-round value? Are you kidding me? Why is James Robinson at third-round value in Dynasty? Because he doesn't fit the profile. He doesn't fit, how old is this man? Let's take a look at the stats. 22. If he's 22 and not 21 and a half, the year he does this, there's no chance for James Robinson to get a second contract if the wind's blowing south, they're out of hot dogs during a home game, and the guy isn't, uh, 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 he's an unrestricted free agent. Can't work out mathematically according to the profile. I don't give a crap about a player profile. You know what I care about? My eyes. And my eyes tell me James Robinson has wiggle. James Robinson proved it if you want stats to back up the eye test. 4.5 yards poor per carry in a situation where there were no other weapons. DJ Chark, who I believe is super, super undervalued heading into 2021. As is LaVisca Chenault. One of these guys. I don't know which one, to be completely honest. Let me just admit that right now. I don't really know which one's going to explode but i do know that trevor lawrence trevor lawrence is going to be a top five quarterback and fantasy quarterback within one to two calendar years trevor lawrence will be elite trevor lawrence and trevor lawrence you know what elite quarterbacks typically do guys that are the next peyton manning and you can at me all you want say smitty He hasn't thrown a pass yet. How can you have Trevor Lawrence as a freaking top five quarterback when he hasn't thrown a single pass in the NFL? Because I can. Because I have my own show. And when you have your own show, you can do what you want. And whether people return after you blow it, that's on you. But Trevor Lawrence, I'm pretty good at quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are kind of my wheelhouse. Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, all landed on my bull prediction board, the year or a year and a half prior. Josh Allen, probably my my biggest prediction since Pat Mahomes. Um, quarterbacks I do really really well with, and 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 I you know I can be hit and miss on some of the the breakout running backs because of usage and injury, and that is what it is with quarterbacks. It's a pretty darn good accuracy for breakout predictions, and and Josh Allen was on the bull predictions two years in a row. And I predicted that he'd be a top five, top four quarterback coming into his 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 breakout year the year prior when it was all running, and it was like this guy's not going to be accurate at all. Josh Allen's the number two fantasy football quarterback across the board redraft dynasty. You name it, he's number two. You could argue Herbert if you want, and I wouldn't be mad at you, especially if Herbert gets an offensive weapon in this NFL draft cl- class like Devonta Smith. Imagine if Herbert gets Devonta Smith, I'm gonna have a dilemma. I'm going to pickle. I'm going to pickle, guys, because I'm going to be like Herbert, Allen, Alan Herbert. I don't know what to think. I love both. And in a super flex, can you imagine owning both? Back on point, James Robinson. My boy, James Robinson. The unrestricted free agent, James freaking Robinson. But, Smitty, unrestricted free agents don't do well and get second year deals. Do they? Priest Holmes. Arian Foster. And if we're going to cross position and be like, let's doubt some people. What about Kurt Warner bagging groceries at 27 years old? Let's take a moment and give Kurt Warner the respect he deserves. If you were too young and you were sharding in your pants or in diapers when Kurt Warner was dropping fantasy football loads for a living, First of all, be ashamed of yourself if you weren't born earlier. You should be completely ashamed of yourself. Number two, Kurt Warner was arguably, in my opinion, the most fun fantasy football quarterback to ever play. You could argue Manning. I, I get it. People are going to have their, their preferences. But Kurt Warner was exciting. Kurt Warner was phenomenal he was 26 27 I forget how old he was when he started the game but 27 years old this man's bagging groceries and there's nothing wrong with working at a grocery store bagging groceries please don't take it that way but this man's bagging groceries and still not giving up how many people would have gave up and said you know what it's not going to happen whether I believe in myself or not it's not going to happen and he kept trying and at 27 years old The profile Smitty, no quarterback comes, (laughs) no quarterback, no quarterback can do that. Can you imagine what people would have said if you came out and said, Kurt Warner, this guy that, that got brought in, not to start, not to start. Trent Green went down in the preseason before week one. Trent Green went down. Trent Green was the starter. They brought Kurt Warner in to be a blue 32. Where's my football? Where's my football? Blue 32. Backup quarterback. Here's Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. How does he hold the ball like that? Kurt Warner. Backup quarterback. Finally gets his shot to back up Trent Green. Little does Trent Green know. Little does anybody know. That this will be one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Coming in at 27 years old. Going to still have a long career. And... He didn't fit a profile, so don't give me James Robinson doesn't fit a profile, or James Robinson isn't going to get a second contract, or Urban Meyer's not going to believe in James Robinson, because James Robinson was an unrestricted free agent, and he can't do it. There's just no way. There's too much doubt. Let me tell you something about the psychology of fantasy football. And I know a little bit about psychology, even though my degree fell down the other day. It fell down, okay? I had it I had it Velcroed under the door because I didn't want to drill into the door. But I do have a degree in psychology. I bring psychology to fantasy football because it's a passion of mine. I love psychology. It's why I made it my undergrad degree. Um, I quickly found out you can't use psychology when I was 20, uh, 20 21 years old unless you get a master's so that sucked (laughs) (laughs) I, i knew that halfway going through but i wasn't changing psychology i loved it and i still love it i love the psychology the conformity the recency bias that we all face the negotiation the trade negotiation how to negotiate a trade hey bill Uh, How about you trade me Cam Akers? Let's use Cam Akers in a positive light because I know a lot of you Cam Akers people are pissed off at me right now. So let's talk about them positively. Hey, Bill, give me Cam Akers. Now Cam Akers won't be traded to you. Congratulations, you put, you wore your cards, your entire five cards playing poker on your chest. You taped them to your chest and you just walked up and said, what's up, bro? You wanna give me Cam Akers? That's what you just did. There's an art to trade negotiation I'm going to have a whole master class on it. But point is psychology is fire. You can use psychology to your advantage. And psychology, I just saw the fire emojis by Daniel and it made me say fire. Psychology's everywhere. We're manipulated. Psychology is the study of how people affect people. Sociology is awesome too. How a group of people affect a person or a group of people. So It's fantastic studying all of this stuff, sociology, psychology, implementing it into your fantasy football. And you know what people don't do enough and what I'm going to bring to this freaking industry, which I should have done more of it up until now, but I didn't do video until about two years ago. So shame on me, but I'm going to make up for it is how to improve upon being a good fantasy football owner. What do people do? And I got to remember where I'm headed with this. It was James Robinson being doubted psychology. Remind me if I forget. That's where I gotta go because I'm sidetracking the hell off of the the ramp right here to go down another complete different freeway. But my point being that psych- oh, what I'm bringing to the table is how to improve upon being a better fantasy football owner. So let's use Daniel in here and Paul. Daniel and Paul in here. Okay, no offense, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna generalize here. You probably don't think much about improving. Upon your fantasy football skills. Do you Daniel or Paul? You just go through the motions bros. You get up. You put your pants on. You walk to the kitchen. Get your cup of coffee. You go to work. You look at your trade offers. You say no. You say yes. You don't you don't fret too much on missing on Clyde Edwards or lair last year. Like we all did. Like I did. Because of situation. You don't really look at it too much. You might say oh I'm not doing that again. I'm not going to draft a rookie like that again. Especially like, let's say, Javonta Williams lands in in, uh, in, uh, Miami. I'm not just going to put him at number one and draft him again. That's your learning process. No offense, but that's everybody. They attack it without even any kind of improvement, learning. Treat fantasy football like a learning experience. Improve at your weaknesses. If your weaknesses are X, Y, and Z, and you just kind of assume, okay, well, that didn't work out, and you don't try and improve upon them, trading or evaluating a risky situation that might be your risk there to, to your drafting to your, your management style if you don't know your weaknesses and you don't actually try and solve them and make them strengths you won't ever be a better fantasy owner you're going to be relying upon your your good fantasy draft skills because you follow the channel you have your own innate instincts i don't have people in here that don't know what they're doing typically you guys are a very, very knowledgeable group of, of fantasy football followers. Like, we mock draft. You guys know you're a But, what everybody does is they stop there. They don't practice their weaknesses. They don't mock draft based on their weaknesses. You mock draft the same freaking way over and over. People give me a hard time when they come in a mock draft of mine, and I'm trying out the zero running back approach or the zero quarterback approach in a super flex from the 12 spot and i even telegraph it i tell people i'm drafting zero wide receiver or no i'm drafting wide receiver wide receiver in a super flex from the 12 spot just letting you know i'm wearing it on my sleeve and then two or three people maybe they just joined the chat maybe they don't listen very well maybe it's both but they say that was a mistake, <laughs> rookie mistake, Smitty. Take a lap. Why'd you take not take a quarterback? Because I'm trying it out. I'm working on myself. Everybody needs to work on them- their- themselves. Their their. Your ideology must be contrary to that of the majority. Stay ahead of the game. Yes. I think I understand what you're saying. In my all my years of schooling, I think what you're saying is you're right, Smitty. Um, so I will be working on that, how to better your fantasy football skills, how to identify your weaknesses, how to improve upon those things once you identify them. So if you identify, Hey, I make bad trades. Guess what? I'm going to send you down a learning track about making bad trades, how to avoid making bad trades. One technique just to give you an idea would be writing things down. I know that sounds very archaic and dumb. We don't write anymore, do we? But if you get a piece of paper out and you make bad trades, write down both your teams side-by-side visually. Don't just imagine it. Look at it side-by-side and ask yourself what team looks more dangerous? What team looks riskier? And you'd be surprised at how many bad trades you avoid making just by doing an equal comparison written down side-by-side. Things like that I can help you improve upon. Also, hey, Smitty, should I trade, uh, uh, you know, uh, Swift for A.J. Brown? Or or if you want to use position for position, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Let, we'll just use Swift for A.J. Brown. Oftentimes, the simplest way to figure out whether you should be doing a trade or you're doing a trade that people are going to make fun of, you know, after. And you're like, oh, you're worried about, oh, God, the league's going to ridicule me. Where do you draft him? Even if it's week four, if you were in a draft starting right now, right there, week four, where would you draft those players? And if A.J. Brown is here and Swift is here, then the trade's fine. It comes down to how you view each player and your predictions, or if you're relying upon me. I'll tell you what I think, but I think you need to make your own decisions. But it comes down to that. So many times I get very knowledgeable knowledgeable people that come to me and say, Smitty, should I make this trade for this trade? Or even if it's a two for two, that's where it gets a little more cloudy. And I say, hey, Steven, where would you rank this player that you're giving away? And they say, well, 18. Where do you rank the player if you're drafting today that you're receiving? Well, 24. Why are you making the trade? If you plot out everything, and then analyze it. It works a lot better than just blindly going into it, trying to do it all in your head. And visually, you need to break it down. Those are just some small things that I help people with to try and not make horrible trades. And it's simple. Those are the most simple things that you can you can deploy to try and not make a horrible trade. Back on track. Driving back on the ramp. Get back on the, on the freeway. Here we go. James Robinson. The psychology is where I was going. The psychology of James Robinson. And where you draft this man. The psychology behind it. So the reason you doubt him. If you were a James Robinson doubter. Let me enlighten you. Kick your feet back. Sit on the couch. Let me tell you where. Why you have daddy issues with James Robinson. James Robinson. You maybe didn't find. Somebody else picked him up. You didn't see him coming. Worse. You saw him kind of coming. You ignored it. You doubted him and you missed out on him, and Bill from accounting scooped him up, maybe even got lucky, he had the number one waiver pick, whatever, scooped him up, started him all year, the dude went crazy. And you're resentful in here, in here. You're not aware of it, it's subconscious, but you're resentful that you didn't see James Robinson coming. Too many times, and Austin, I see your super chat, I'm sorry brother, let me put it up on screen here. And then I'm going to read it too many times. People let that influence how they value a player. They let the fact that they didn't see him coming. It makes you root for uh, or against that player. So you're like uh, quietly in your, in your, your mind. You don't even know why you're rooting against James Robinson to validate the fact you missed him. Cause if James Robinson fails, then you weren't that wrong, were you? You didn't miss the boat, did you? Same thing with with Lamar Jackson, the year Lamar Jackson broke out in 2019. Everyone and their mother loved hating on him because it made them feel better about missing him. And if he missed again and they doubled down on it, then it was like, okay, I wasn't wrong. He had a fluke year. All you guys talking about how Lamar is going to be the next best quarterback were actually wrong. I don't feel stupid anymore. There's so much psychology behind everything that we do. If you can understand it, you can then manipulate it. And I don't want to I don't want to say that manipul- manipulating people or sports is, is necessarily the way I like to term it. It's more like you understand the game. You understand the moving parts. You can step around this Step around that and weave through like a a, a bunch of walkers coming at you in The Walking Dead. You know the rules. You know how to get through. You know the tricks of the trade. You're not cheating, but you're manipulating the environment because you're astute. And you're trying to absorb everything you can and use everything to your advantage. And one thing you can use to people's advantage is that they doubted James Robinson. And internally, they're mad about it. They're mad about it. Let people doubt him again. Let him fall to the third round. I don't, I'm probably ruining that opportunity a little bit because now I'm just going to mock draft him just a tiny bit more and then maybe he gains momentum and, cl- and climbs into the second round in, in Dynasty. In redraft, you will see him go oftentimes in the 15 to 22 range depending on the league you're drafting with. They may love him. They may not. They're, all it takes is one person to draft James Robinson at 12. And a lot of times, a guy like James Robinson will go 12 or 13 in redraft because the one guy, it's kind of like the guy who has the mullet and Mullets went out of style, and then Mullets came back in style, and he still got it though, and he doesn't even know that that it went out of style, and all of a sudden the dude's just wearing wearing the style, and he didn't even mean to. He stumbled upon it. So uh, uh, the guy that owns James Robinson at 12 or 13 knew he did well last year, but he didn't catch up with the wrong trend of doubting him because he's an unrestricted free agent, doubting him because they think Urban Meyer is just gonna toss him aside and want his own guy, like everyone else is being influenced by this this fake vibe out there. And the guy with the mullet just thinks he's doing great still. Like just came out of of week seventeen. I I think I'll draft James Robinson at number fourteen and doesn't even mean to be crafty and draft him early. The mullet guy is always gonna be an X factor, a wild man, a wild man, Austin. Um. Appreciate the super chat. Jags were also 32nd ranked in rushing attempts, even with Robinson uh, still beasting out is basically what Austin's saying. <sighs> I got Robinson on waivers before week one. Kyle, is it a dynasty league and do you still own him? Because I'll tell you right now, Kyle, uh, that was a, a great move. Something that I was pushing out there heading into you know the week one waivers is this dude needs to be picked up. Um, but even I, even even myself, didn't necessarily feel like he, he was something. We, somebody we talked about here and there, like Robinson's got a shot. But even even myself, heading into week one, wasn't like I was freaking all on board. This is the James Robinson train. But I. Over the years, have learned how to not let that impact me and say, "Oh, well, if if I didn't see him coming, he can't be good." And then I hold James Robinson down, you know, subconsciously because I wasn't a part of his rise. I didn't believe in him. You got that could be that could be a weakness you may have, may or may not have that you work through. Uh, Clubhouse, I'm, I'm gonna hey EA, what's going on? I'm gonna end this for right now uh, because I do have to use my phone. Um, but definitely get on over to the fantasyfootballshow.com and join us. We're live over there. Um, I'm gonna send an invite over to my boy Rob. I don't know if Rob is dialing in soon or not, but Rob will be joining us, and we can talk about, um, you know, a few of these topics. But if you guys have any controversial running back rankings or topics that you want me to address with Rob, um, who's the he runs the fantasy football shows uh, or fantasy football state of mind um, on Instagram. He's uh, he's a really good dude, and he runs an amazing page. He's got like close to fifty thousand followers for a reason because he's he's fire. He's my boy, and I'm gonna send him a link right now. And I don't know when he's gonna come on, but we'll certainly invite him on the moment he is available. So I'll send that to him right now. Um, so good topic so far. James Robinson, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. If you're just joining us, make sure you rewatch uh, the first hour. And what are we in? We're hour two. The first hour. First hour and five minutes. We're all about James Robinson. And Swift. And Akers. And Kurt Warner. <laughs> so Mike Davis. Man, didn't we start off with Mike Davis? I feel like that was the first name that we were supposed to hit on. And uh <laughs> didn't even go there. It just completely went in a different direction. So let's change this to Mike Davis. And let's talk Mike Davis. I kind of touched on it, but I think I think it didn't go too far. So Mike Davis is fantasy value. For 2021. What do you guys think about Mike Davis? I'd love to hear in the chat. James Conner will be running back one in AZ, says Blackbeard. That's a good controversial topic. Uh, redraft but won my year with his help. Good job. Yeah, that'd be awesome if you had him in Dynasty, bro. There's always one guy in every league that makes bad trades. There is. And that's a controversial topic. There, There's somebody that on uh, Instagram that I was supposed to help, and I'm still going to. That there was a horrible trade that was made, and he asked me, should it be vetoed? And I said, look, your trade should be vetoed based on your rules. If you don't have a process in place where you veto bad trades then it is a tall order to go and play uh you know roger goodell in your league and say i don't like this trade for you i'm not doing it or this helps this guy too much i'm not doing it in my opinion if you play in a league everybody's a big boy or girl they they pay their entry fee they should be able to make the trades that they want and if you have trouble making trades or you want help hey smitty.com just a quick plug to my text platform. If you want to text me on demand, hey Even while I'm on the show, I might even reply to some of your texts if you're sending them to me because it's a on-demand service essentially. Hey I've helped a lot of people so far this offseason build some amazing teams. They've done you know, I give the credit to them. They're they're making the moves and coming up with some of the ideas, but the guidance helps you, you know, to have somebody you can bounce stuff off of and in and, and dire need, you say, Smitty, call me. And I'll call you. That's all part of HeySmitty.com. And we'll talk on the phone too if it's a if it's a, a dilemma. But uh, James Conner. Uh, we'll take up talk about James Conner right after Mike Davis. Mike Davis proved, let me pull up his stats, proved to be a, an animal in replacing um, Christian McCaffrey. Now, he is no spring chicken. And it's important to know that he is 28 years old. His birthday is in February, so he just turned twenty-eight. Um, but that is a that is a old man in the NFL at the running back position, unfortunately, and uh, that 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 means he's like on his last hurrah. It doesn't even matter so much that that he, he he hasn't like you know been utilized a ton in early early part of his career. There's a certain age value, and now you're probably saying Smitty, now you're doing the profiling. But this is just a common accepted thing that when you are a certain age, your body breaks down at the running back position. So I'm not saying he can't have one or two years, but if you're in a dynasty league and the man's 28 years old and we're talking about Mike Davis, don't expect him to have like a stellar, long lasting four to five year reign as a running back two or a high, high-end running back two. This is a guy that your legs deteriorate um, he still had college work he still goes through every practice he still had mileage just because you don't have game mileage you still have mileage your your body breaks down breaks down differently as you get older and um, there's just a certain amount of time where you're more susceptible to injury because you're 28 29 years old so there is actual science and rhyme and reason to it it's not just speculation 28 years old is not good doesn't matter if you have no mileage it's not good for dynasty value but 15 games he hit a couple walls you could call him rookie walls even though he technically uh you know was you know old and and not necessarily a, a drafted rookie but 642 rushing yards 3.9 yards per carry was not great but he was fed a ton he had six touchdowns on the ground. Most importantly, he got a lot of that Christian McCaffrey volume, 59 receptions for 373 and two touchdowns. So he ended up with eight TDs and, um, you know, roughly 1,000 yards. Not a bad year at all for a guy that, uh, you know, McCaffrey played a couple games. Um, It wasn't like he, he started all 15 games. But the bottom line and concern I have for Mike Davis, if you own him, you almost can't get rid of him at value that's acceptable so you almost have to kind of roll with you know riding him until the wheels fall off which given your investment your upfront cost that's fine he's actually a really good uh bet to 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 not trade away and just kind of bank on it and if he doesn't work out he doesn't work out i think if you want to trade him away before we get to his value or how much i really like him you'll want to do it in a 2 for 1 and i've always told you guys that and that's part of another part of my trading um Uh, master class stuff that I'm going to roll out is that whenever you're in a bind with one player and you don't know what to do with that player or how to trade that player away, the number one way to dilute any risk or to build a player back up that has some risk or concern is to do a two for one. You're giving Mike Davis and somebody for one slightly better running back or one slightly better receiver when you equate that receiver to the the value of, of Mike Davis or whatever. So you want to identify the first, your first step is to go through your entire league rosters and say, what player is better than Mike Davis? Or if you even go bigger route, like let's say you have Julio Jones and you want to get rid of Julio Jones and you have Mike Davis, use Mike Davis as a throw in to improve one monster starting spot on your team. That's probably the best way to do it. Trading uh, for a player slightly above Mike Davis or worrying about Mike Davis's value at all in the trade will probably leave you dead in the water and no one's going to make a trade. If you want to trade Mike Davis, supersize your fries by using Mike Davis as a little extra ketchup or sauce or whatever. So you take Julio Jones and you go to your rosters and you say, what wide receiver would I rather have than Julio Ridley? um, Of course, A.J. Brown, of course. Um, Jefferson, of course, C.D. Lamb. You just start poking around at every one of these wide receivers. Ones you for sure like more than Julio Jones. And then you add Mike Davis. You say, I'll give you Mike Davis and Julio for Lamb. I'll give you Mike Davis and Julio for Jefferson. I'll give you Mike Davis and Julio for Ridley. You do it to like 15 of the guys you for sure would love to have All it takes is one person. All it takes is is Bob or Bill from accounting, sitting there at their cubicle at the right moment in time where they read the right thing about Julio or they read the the wrong thing about Ridley or they read something about Mike Davis, hyped them up. You don't know. If you don't offer enough trade offers, you can't stumble upon good luck when it comes to trading and getting somebody to accept a trade that maybe they wouldn't have accepted the the next day. How many times have you accepted a trade you regret? Ten minutes later, you're like, "I shouldn't have did that trade." And maybe if you were asked in a different, on a different day, different point in time, different part of your day, maybe you weren't even on lunch when it got asked, you would have said no. So if you're not taking advantage of attempts, you're not going to land a big trade. If you make one offer and you're like, "Smitty, I tried to trade Mike Davis. I made two offers last week," you're you're probably not going to stumble upon an accidental vibe somebody has in favor of the trade. So offer in masses, offer a ton of trade offers, and you might land something that you normally wouldn't have. That's the key to trading. Trading in masses, getting somebody to accept something. They, they might not always accept because you want to win the trade. Why is somebody going to accept a trade that you're winning? Because for whatever reason, they see it as even, or they somehow, you tricked them into thinking, there's more upside on my side. I do need a running back. I do need a wide receiver back. So this makes sense. I just want to trade. Okay, I'll do it. How many times do you trade because you want to trade? So you might catch Bill from accounting just wanting to trade today, and you're the only person there. Offer masses, do two for ones. That's how you can get rid of Mike Davis. Now, Mike Davis, if you look at his game log, he had a, a lot of good games and then he kind of hit a wall and he had a lot of bad games. He had a uh, good TD volume in 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 spurts. Uh, the receptions were there, some games and not others. You know, looking at like early part of the year, week two, week three, week four, he really did better at the beginning part of the year, especially with the rec- receiving game. He had eight receptions in week. Here, let me put, put his uh, game log up and you can kind of see where he did really well and where he tailed off because he really did tail off at the end of the year. And if you were to take his beginning part of the season and um, you know extrapolate it out, he would have had a much crazier, better year. So if you look at week two, week one, he didn't do anything because McCaffrey played that game. Week two, uh, he didn't really do anything on the ground. Look at So we had one yard, one attempt, yet we're still counting that week as a big high volume week because he had eight receptions for 74 yards. So when you look at it it's a little unfair and then you look at week 9 and week 10 i believe that may have been when mccaffrey came back this is a pretty good season when you take out week 1 week 2 week 9 week 10 and i believe we we have a justification to take those out because mccaffrey played in those games i believe i don't know when mccaffrey came back i know he came back in week 10 nine somewhere around there correct me if anybody knows that but so essentially you're talking about like 13 games 12 games that that really Mike Davis did his damage on. Now, his yards per carry was was still 3.9. That's not good. But if you look at the earlier part of the year, there, there were games where he had five yards to carry, 5.3 in week four, 5.6 in week five. Um, he had uh, later on had 4.6 in week 10, 4.6 in week 14. But he did have a lot of those games where it's like, you know, three yards per carry, 1.7 yards per, you know, there, there's just some bad yards per carry averages going on in there. But look at his receiving totals from week two, down to week 5. 8 targets, 8 receptions. 9 targets, 8 receptions. 6 targets, 5 receptions. And then in week 5, 10 targets, 9 receptions. He didn't ever return to that form after kind of hitting a little bit of a wall there. And breaking down a little bit. And then in week 7 and, and week 8 and week 9 and week 10, it was like a big you know drop. Because partially McCaffrey was, was trying to come back. And the, the carries just weren't there. So tough to really evaluate and say one way or the other that, that Mike Davis won't do well as a starter. I think the main thing we got to ask ourselves is where are you drafting him? Are you drafting him as like a high-end flex? Then it's fantastic. You know, it's he has a lot of upside there. If you're drafting him as a high-end running back too, unless you've built a very crazy way at wide receivers, like where you've drafted wide receiver, wide receiver, and then George Kittle, and you haven't even taken a running back yet, then I could see you going with Clyde and Mike Davis as your starters because you went Adams and DK and Kittle with your first three picks. Then that, all of a sudden, Mike Davis becomes one of the craftiest running back twos in fantasy football if you're taking him as like a fifth or sixth drafted player to play that running back two role. So it depends how you build. I love If you want to go and bank on Mike Davis, I recommend you use him in a running back two role where you're, you're stacking at other positions for the first three or four rounds, and you come back around and you pair Mike Davis with a, an Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard and and uh, a bunch of guys like that, A.J. Dillon, so that your running back, two has Mike Davis there, but you've got all these other amazing cuffs and players that if got into their team's lineup could be a top-10 running back. That's kind of how I do that risky running back, too, where I'm stacking wide receiver. So I go Adams, I go DK. Maybe even I go Jefferson, Adams, DK, Jefferson, Adams, DK, and Lamb. I, I would do that. I don't care. I'll go I'll go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Watch me. Hold my beer. And then I'll get Clyde, and, and maybe Mike Davis is my weak running back too, like I give a crap because my wide receivers are stacked. That's how Dad did it. That's how I do it. And, bro, let me tell you, I'm okay with a wide receiver, wide receiver in that situation. And especially in Dynasty, I love buying wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, because you're not really drafting them in an order, but you're able to get Jefferson, Ridley, and Lamb at much lower cost than the Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hills. And now you have a whole bunch of freaking value to spend on running backs. If you don't like Clyde Jeffrey, you don't have to take Clyde. Is a It is a choice that you can make. Insert different player and use process, bro. Use process. If you doubt Clyde, doubt him. But I do believe in Clyde at the right value. Do I believe in Clyde at first round value? No, you can't buy him there. You shouldn't buy him there. This is the same debate we had that's in the intro video right here. This is the Fantasy Football Show. Act- Dalvin Cook, he was a top five running back. And he dropped into 22 to 25 overall. And everybody kept saying, he's too risky. He's too risky. He's too risky to be a top five running back. He could get hurt. I don't know that I buy Dalvin Cook as a top five running back. Heading into, what was it, 2018, 2019, whatever year that was. It's all blur. I agree when you say they misused him. I, yeah, Jeffrey, you know, and and if if you are a Clyde doubter, dude, trust your gut. But... I think um if that if you do believe the Chiefs will misuse him again, that's your argument and you could be right. So I'm not crapping on anybody's stance that doubts Clyde. I I personally like him. I think he got a, a bad shake. Definitely got a bad shake on the goal line work. I don't believe Andy Reed for a second has ruled him out as an every down even goal line back just because everyone else thinks they can make the determination. They know what Andy Reid's thinking. They know they think that Andy Reed doesn't watch the film. And go, God, we kind of put Clyde in a, a position to fail four times in a row at the goal line in that on that one that one series. And everybody else looks at it like that rules him out. Clyde can be used. He could be one of the better goal line draw play players or players you throw to in goal line situations in the NFL. You have to use Clyde right at the goal line. Clyde was completely swarmed every time he touched the football at the goal line. It was not his fault. Clyde cannot be taken down by one player in open space. Clyde could get taken down when he sit there, sits there and looks at five guys coming at him. And then, yeah, he gets nailed and crushed. But, you know, it's, it's preference. Um, I forget where I was even going. But I like Davis. I like him as a, a late running back, too, in a crazy, weird wide receiver, wide receiver build. I think I was going with the auction, saying that if you are in an auction and you were to buy Jefferson, Lamb, and Ridley, you're spending a much lower value on those guys. So it's not like you're buying three Devontae Adams and you're out of money. You can literally buy those three wide receivers and still get pretty decent running backs. So it's a pretty awesome uh, way to go. Let's see if Rob's coming on or not. We got Jason Moore, Jason Moore from the Fantasy Footballers coming on uh, here at in about, uh, I'd say, 25 minutes. So I'm going to put this graphic up real quick. And show you that but Jason Moore is coming on soon get ready for that hey man I got 20 30 minutes jump on now okay dial in bro and we'll briefly ask him his opinion on these running backs James Conner. maybe we'll we'll hit we'll 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 kick it off with James Conner. because we haven't talked about that yet that might be a, a good topic of discussion with rob from fantasy football state of mind. Um, Connor Blackbeard says uh, James Connor will be the running back one in Arizona. I don't know that I share that viewpoint. I think think quite honestly they're both going to hurt each other. Chase Edmonds and James Connor. But could... The Cardinals did want to lean on one running back. And even when you know, and I'll save this for Rob if he's dialing up right now. But even when Drake got hurt and had an opportunity to sit out a while and the Cardinals could have said, hey, we, we trust Chase Edmonds, like Drake, get healthy. They they didn't let him. They, they put him out there kind of banged up still, lingering, and, and shoved him out onto the field and used the hell out of him. Granted, Drake didn't have a good year overall, grand scheme of things, very inefficient, not good PPR work, ended up finishing very, very low for all running backs, but was high in yards and TDs for a big part of the year. It was a very complex uh, player to break down statistically because he felt like he was doing very well in two categories, but completely crapping the bed overall in fantasy, and it was kind of confusing when you owned him, because you're like, he feels productive. He's getting in the end zone or he's not getting enough yards. He's getting like 40 yards and a TD, a salvage game. He keeps getting this TD to salvage his game, but he didn't do well. But Drake was misused. And you got to ask yourself, was it Drake's fault? A lot of people are going to blame it on Drake. And I love Drake walking into the 2020. Let's, let's not pretend. I didn't put a lot of content out there on Drake. I did. And I take responsibility for not, evaluating the situation properly so we need to be careful with Arizona in general whether it's Connor um, whether it's uh, Edmonds whether it's a rookie that they bring in because Arizona wasn't using the running back properly enough in 2020 we have a little bit of concern that they will use the running back a significant amount all over the field and not phase the running back out some games or part of their craft is phased out and they only use them between the tackles with no PPR work because Kyler's rolling out because he can't see over the line. And so Kyler's got to get outside the pocket and that, that ruins the opportunity to throw to the running back. Oftentimes there's a lot of reasons for Drake missing out on a lot of PPR work designed plays that did not involve throwing the football to Drake. And if they bring in a running back, I think what you want, them to do, and this is not going to be popular, especially with James Conner being brought in. And Blackbeard's going to disagree with me, and maybe Blackbeard leaves the chat. Um, They would be smart to draft Najee Harris if he's there, and they're on the clock. The Cardinals are staring at Najee Harris. I don't care if you brought in James Conner on his 1.4 million dollar deal. That's like that. That's nothing. Like they don't have to worry about James Conner and his contract detouring them them from going running back. They don't. There's nothing wrong with having three really good running backs you trust on your roster on a, on a team where you want it to develop Kyler Murray. I can tell you, Blackbeard, and I, I don't know if you're from Arizona or not, Blackbeard, if you're the same uh, individual I'm thinking of or if somebody else, but I'm in Arizona. And I can tell you the number one priority for the Arizona Cardinals is protecting the man named Kyler Murray. And if drafting Najee Harris protects him, which I firmly 100% believe would be the best move for the Arizona Cardinals, then they should do it and they need to do it. I don't know that they will. I think the James Conner signing certainly lowers the probability of them going Najee Harris. But if you will remember, this is the same coaching staff that took Kyler Murray was a first round pick the year after Josh Rosen was, was invested in, in that first round, you know, top 10 area one year, this new coaching staff comes in, they put their brass balls of steel on the table and they say, I don't care what the regime did before us. I don't care what we have invested in Josh Rosen. I don't even care if we keep Josh Rosen before, you know, and ruin his trade value by drafting Kyler Murray. Cause then everybody knows we're starting. Uh, yeah, I, I, you're, yeah, you're from Twitter, bro. I got you. Um, yeah, I remember you're maybe from Arizona. I don't care at all about what other people think they should do or what the trend is. Like, I'm telling you my honest opinion and my honest opinion, my assessment of this offense and what it needs. Yes, they do need defensive help, but they also need other things and keeping Kyler Murray healthy is, Najee Harris would help do that more than any other piece that we could bring in. But I believe it will be, yes, Jeffrey, probably Farley, Sertan, someone like that, probably most likely going to the Cardinals since the Connor signing. But I don't think the Connor signing will completely derail their game plan if they did want to target Najee Harris and if Najee Harris is really high on their draft board. I can tell you with certainty that everybody's got a certain place that they would draft Najee Harris if he fell to a certain point. Where's Arizona's line? Does Arizona say he's a good football player? Like this is the best player on the board. Teams think a lot like that more than we believe. Um, Pitts would be amazing, Blackbeard, but we'd have to trade up, hella trade up to get Kyle Pitts. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be uh, possible. But. I, yeah, Kyle Pitts would be a fantastic land. I think the best place for Kyle Pitts, though, Blackbeard, without question, without hesitation, without equivocation, would be the Chargers. Give Justin Herbert a Jamar Chase, a Devonta Smith, maybe even a Waddle, but definitely a Kyle Pitts, and that man vaults into my top. I, I, I don't know how I'd I drop Josh Allen out, but I'd I put him right, i put Herbert right next to Josh Allen, and, and Kyle Pitts would be a beast. Not that he won't be from day one. He probably will be wherever he goes, but if he goes to New England or like Detroit, I don't like it. Um there are a couple spots I don't love for for pits to develop very quickly. I think he still could. Um Rob's calling in now. What's up
2: my man? Yo, what's going on, sweetie How are you, man?
0: I'm good. Uh I, yeah, I'm going to have to cut it short too cuz I got uh Jason Moore from the Fantasy Footballers coming on next, so I might have to Ooh. to run um right when, right before you're about done, but we're talking about uh, the Cardinals. We're talking about James Connor. Um, let me put uh, James Connor on the screen here. What is your take on James Connor and the potential uh, he has in Arizona? And what I was kind of saying was that, and a lot of people disagree with me on this all over the place. I still feel like the Cardinals are not like out on the Najee Harris poten- po- possibility. Like, Dra- uh, signing James Conner certainly reduces the odds of them going James Conner or going Najee Harris but James right. Conner you know isn't he he signed like a 1.4 million dollar deal his signing and bringing him on does nothing for them to say like oh we can't do that now or now we went a different direction like it doesn't work like that not when you're paying somebody a 1.43 million or whatever it is Um, and, and team was saying before you came on teams think differently than we do. We, we oftentimes think, oh, they won't do this because they have this teams will take oftentimes the best player on their board. And when they don't have running back on lock and Kyler protecting Kyler Murray is their absolute number one priority. I'm in Arizona. I know this to be the case. The focal point is keeping Kyler healthy. Having him mature and take that next step because there's accuracy accuracy issues. There's there's issues with him having to always throw outside the pocket. Najee Harris would help keep defenses a little bit more honest in shadowing him and and allow Kyler Murray more of an opportunity to navigate the spaces on the field that he's good at navigating in throwing on the run to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, there's just a lot of reason that that Najee Harris from that perspective makes all the sense in the world. Tell me your take on Connor. Tell me your take on Chase Edmonds and the probability, even though it's lower of the Cardinals looking at Harris, if he's there.
2: Yeah. I mean, Chase Edmonds had about a a two and a half week fantasy hype run before it was completely shattered. Right. Um, And it's, it's actually funny that you mentioned the fantasy footballers because they, we, when we broke the news, uh, their Instagram, I don't know who, who runs it. I think it might be Mike uh, commented a skull emoji on the post, because I feel like he probably thinks that the running back position is a bit of a wasteland in Arizona too. Yeah. Uh, but with all that being said, the position has a lot of value, man. I mean, Kenyon Drake had a up an up and down season, but uh, if you if you would believe that he actually led the NFL in goal to go opportunities last year. he had double digit touchdowns. Um, the position is a value, especially when you have a player like Kyler Murray. I think. As you mentioned, James Conner is more of a complimentary play. I think he makes the team better. But by by no means is he somebody that they're going to rely on for 16 games because James Conner has never finished a full 16-game schedule. So I think the idea of, of Harris in the first round, I think it would be a great option for Arizona. And uh, if that happens, however, the backfield just way too messy for us to really love Harris is a value going into the next season.
0: I think I would like Harris there. Um, And and you make great points about, you know, Drake doing well. And it was confusing because Drake was like in the top six in the league and rushing yards for a a string, Mm -hmm. of like up until like, I think it was like week 10 or something. And he was in the top, I think six for rushing touchdowns, even jumped into the top four at some point deep into the year. And it was like, oh, the guy's like the bottom 20 something and running back stats uh from a fantasy (laughs) perspective and it was like it was it was one of those things where efficiency was really bad the tds kept salvaging his weeks and i was big on Kenyon drake like i had content all over the place so that is one of my bigger misses on in 2020 um right and and so i'm a little skeptical of their willingness to utilize the running back properly no matter who it is because kyler the way kyler plays A lot of times the running back isn't looked at as as an option like it probably should be because he's rolling out a lot. Um, It's hard to throw to the running back when you're on the run. And and he throws outside the pocket so much because there's talk about him not seeing over the line. He's comfortable outside the pocket. He needs to be more efficient. So if a running back does go in there, it needs to be somebody that can run the ball like 20 times a game. And if the Cardinals are moving the ball down the field and they're getting first downs and they're effective – they can still have the same kind of offense they have and just have more production on the ground. So out of all the running backs that we're talking about, like ETN, I love, but they don't throw enough. I don't know that I want them there. Cause ETN is the best receiving back in this draft class. You want them somewhere where you could catch footballs. Uh, right. Najee Harris couldn't potentially be, I think the answer from a fantasy perspective and also from, for the Cardinals to, to, to make that next step and become a top 10, top eight team in the league. Uh, which they could do, especially with the improvements on defense. Like, this team is, is going to be freaking phenomenal if they yeah. put it all together. I love I love Arizona's odds this year. But Chase Edmonds, the, when Drake went down, like I said before you came on, they had every opportunity in the world in Arizona, that coaching staff, to sit Drake and get him fully healthy. But he came back hurt. Right. He came back hampered. And they didn't say, no, 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 we got Edmonds, get healthy, we need you later. They just shoved him out there. And that says two things one, they didn't care about Drake. <laughs> but two, <laughs> it also said they didn't care about Edmonds because they would have leaned on him at that point had they needed him and they wanted a healthy running back in there. And so for me, I don't think they trust Edmonds, even though they say they did. And look what happened they brought in Connor. Connor's learning a new system, Connor's very injury prone. Right. Connor isn't somebody you're going to rely on. Right. So if they don't bring in another running back, which I 100% think they will, even if it's late in the draft, like a Chuba Hubbard, uh Jefferson, a Carter, um, a Hill, somebody like that. Uh, uh, Williams. There's a lot of running backs that they could bring in. And I'm not saying Javante Williams, Puka or whatever his name is. Uh, right. Little guy, but they could bring in a bunch of those names later. And then it cloudies it up. And maybe that's the player to grab, Wait, and then maybe the rookie, uh, you know, climbs up. Because like Chuba Hubbard there, he'd probably have very little, it'd be very, very low entry point um, cost to get him because people would be scared to death of that situation. And that, I don't see value in Connor. I don't see value in Edmonds at their ADPs, which are, are looking pretty high to me.
2: Well, I think their ADPs are both going to fall, right? And yeah. let's just play out a scenario where they don't address the running back position. You go into the year with James Connor, Chase Edmonds, as their starters, Chase Edmonds' value comes specifically as a PPR option. He caught 53 passes last year, which was seventh among running backs, right? He was only one reception behind Austin Eckler, one reception behind uh, David Montgomery, 400 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns. So I think I think they use James Conner as literally a replacement of what they had with him and Drake. So I think that's kind of the one-two duo, kind of what we saw a lot last year which for fantasy owners, it's kind of a lot of unpredictability and a player can go off one week and it's just it's just something that you really are not going to want to trust on your RB2, but I wouldn't mind taking a gamble on either of those guys as a bench player to eventually fill in as kind of a rotation play. play.
0: Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, another, another topic that we're talking about, um, Mike Davis. What do you think about Mike Davis heading into 2021? Phenomenal Ooh. year overall considering he only played uh, uh, what was it uh, 14 game or I'm sorry uh, it was 15 games but there were two games in the middle of the year that McCaffrey tried to come back uh, week one he wasn't used at all week two he got one carry he did have good receptions and total and yardage totals but you know you look at it, it's really like 12 or 13 games that this guy got the full go he only averaged right. 3.9 yards per carry but he had 10 total touchdowns about a thousand total yards going in at 28 years old, I believe not great for dynasty that he's that old, but you know, low mileage. What do you think about him from a dynasty perspective? And what do you think about him from a redraft 2021 only
2: perspective? Dynasty, the values is almost worthless, right? I I don't feel a running back at age 28 on a one-year deal is going to be much of anything, but for redraft, it's actually really interesting, man. I think he's one of those veteran running backs that are in a good position where without Todd Gurley, right? I forget who their who was their secondary running back that was there.
0: Uh where oh where? Edo uh, Smith, um they you know they had they had a, a couple of
2: different guys I'm blanking mm-hmm. on. Edo Smith's a, gone.
0: Hill, Hill. There uh, you H- go. Hill's yeah. gone.
2: Um, With that being said, I feel like Mike Davis is going to have the opportunity to just be the guy. Mm -hmm. right and he was one of the best pass catching running backs in the nfl last year i do feel that dude in that offense and i don't know it's just they get they get kyle pitts like this could be a really really good offense and if you're the starting running back on a top five offense that usually leads to a pretty decent fantasy season so give me mike davis in the seventh eighth round Will they I, run him that enough though?
0: Because everyone thought Todd Gurley was going to be this, you know, beast in Atlanta. Everybody, you know, keeps eh. kind of counting on Atlanta to be a good landing spot for running backs. But like, I don't think anybody's really looking at it. Like, do they really? Are they really going to produce an elite running back? Or I like him. I was telling everybody before you came on that that my favorite place to draft him, or favorite position, or or viewpoint to draft him would be in a league where you go like wide receiver, wide receiver, and then like Kittle or something, and you, you haven't drafted a running back yet, and then you take, like, whether it's Monty or Clyde with Mike Davis, and then all of a sudden you got yourself, like, a really crafty gamble Salt that pair. if it doesn't yeah. work out, you have other guys you could throw in there.
2: Yeah, no, I know, I get what you're saying, man. No, Todd Gurley did not do well, but from a fantasy perspective for a good portion of last year, he was very serviceable. You know, he was that guy that would just get you 12 to 15 fantasy points because he would find the goal line on occasion but he did carry the ball 195 times, man. Yeah. If you tell me that Mike Davis is going to get 195 attempts, like I'm, 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 I'm down. Especially
0: I'll if he's it. a PPR, like he, he proved he can fill the shoes mm-hmm. a little bit of, of the mm-hmm. McCaffrey workload. So if, you know, he, he had a string of games or was like eight, nine, 10 receptions like that, that is, you know, a running back to get 10 receptions in one single game is you don't walk or fall into that. Like you are a good receiving mm-hmm. back. So if he does get, Camera type usage or McCaffrey, you know McCaffrey ratio, not the same production, but right, Camera type workload where it's 190 carries, 175 carries even, but then gets yeah. 55 to 60 receptions, then you have yourself a top 10 running back. So I, I'm yeah. gr- I'm in agreement with you. I think it's a crafty running back too, but you have to be deploying an interesting strategy, in my opinion. Or you're really putting yourself in a position to like if he's like if you're making him your running back two and you don't have a stacked wide receiver core, um, or you didn't do something crazy where you got a tight end or like that is a very risky play unless it's a very deep play like a by design.
2: It is. I feel like you and I are one of some of the only people that end up gambling in that way. Yeah, where you're like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with this, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna be top heavy at the receiver position. I'm gonna guarantee that workload. I'm going to take my shots at these running backs and hope that one hits. So it's, it's, like a, my, it's a plan that can work.
0: It's like my three-headed monster approach that that failed miserably last year because Barkley went down, McCaffrey <laughs> went down. But I always find that, like with that team, I've, I had Watson, who I traded for Josh Allen to right. get rid of that whole risk, and I gave up a first-rounder, future first-rounder. But <laughs> I had Watson, I had Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, and like Hollywood Brown – And that was it. Like I Conley, John Brown, like garbage wide receivers and, and people that don't like taking risks like we do, or the challenge of building a team like that and finding the James Robinson at wide receiver, finding these up and coming guys. Uh, it's funny. The comments I get on that, like Smitty, your wide receivers are bad. like, like, no crap. Like, what do you what do you expect my wide receivers to look like when I had Kamara, Barkley, and McCaffrey coming into 2020 when those guys were, like, 1, 2, and 3 overall? Like, they were literally right. 1, 2, and 3 overall, or at least 1, 2, and 4. And, and you know, this year is a little different. They're still very highly ranked. Um, one, uh, I would say Kamara could be 2. And then um, Barkley's, like, in the 5 range. Barkley's climbed a lot heading into 20 twenty one like mid off season drafts but early off season drafts like january february when nobody but us are mock drafting anyway um, right he was going like at nine ten and everyone was scared to death of him and in last year when he went down what was it week two week two we went yeah down? yeah when he went yeah. down i had so many people um shameless plug uh which you can't see <laughs> whoops no, one, no one's sitting there. HeySmitty.com, shameless plug. But at my service, HeySmitty.com, I had a ton of people that would be like, hey, do I get rid of Barkley for, And I mean, insert like third round type talent. I'm like, you need to like totally back away for a whole year and understand that you, right. could, you know you could trade them, but trade them at the right value if you want to compete this year. But time heals everything. And this guy was nowhere near anybody's top 10 in dynasty right after the injury, but they slowly climbed back up and now he's right back in the top five overall. in a lot of early mock drafts and that's the nature of of injuries, man. You got to like take a step back before you overreact when a guy goes down because he looks good. Everything I'm hearing the dude is, you know, firing on all cylinders. He's doing some amazing workouts where he's like literally lunging with his leg up on a bench and vaulting up as high as he can and landing on that leg. Like, the one thing about Barkley is his thigh strength and knee surrounding knee muscle strength is so tight that that joint is going to be more sound than anybody else's joint that's yep. ever recovered from ACL surgery at the NFL level. You mark my words, he's going to be yeah. he's gonna be
2: trusting that leg more than most people. Well, I mean, uh, does he have a Adrian Peterson type of recovery season where we see a two thousand yard rushing season after an ACL? Um, I think we could. Uh, you <laughs> know, whether whether he's he's, he's, he's from, the guy that's capable.
0: Yeah, whether he's injury prone in general to get hurt again. And and keep in mind that coming off of ACL injuries there is a comp compensation concern that causes like a hamstring injury. So mm-hmm. a lot of times that'll happen. So it wouldn't surprise me uh if he had a hamstring issue and then he was like hampered for a half of a year and it like was a disappointing comeback. Oh, that could happen. Not knock, but- knock on wood. Right, but compensation usually happens with people that don't have what adrian peterson has and what barkley has which is insane muscle strength in the in the quads and surrounding like knee muscles that most people don't even have like my knee's bony man i don't know if you about you but if i knock on my knee it's all there's no muscle around the kneecap or anywhere this dude's got wrapped muscle around his entire leg and that keeps that joint tight and the hesitation is when people feel it kind of like like me, mm. I, I had my surgery like near 20 years ago. And I still, when I cut on that leg, I don't trust it. It feels like I'm on top of a ladder and I'm going to like fall out from underneath the ladder. It feels like my knee was severed in half and I'm just, they just set it back on top and I'm just balancing on my leg. That's how
2: my ACL well, dude, feels. Remember, um, well, soccer players, right? So they're they're cutting at at a crazy rate during any game. So professional soccer players have these like bulked, yoked out, legs with tons of muscles that prevents these sort of injuries from happening.
0: So, yeah. And-
2: I feel you, man. I- I'm not as worried from the Saquon injury as, as most people are. And I don't think people are because everyone hasn't ranked inside their top five at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people are, you'll see occasional doubters on it, but for the most part, I do believe, yeah, everyone's pretty, pretty on board with him being back in the top five to 10 overall. And then you see some people rank him higher, mm-hmm. but um, so okay. City- one last but- Oh, go ahead. I
2: I have a question for you. Yeah. Every year we see a player fall off a cliff following a peak season, right? If you had to predict either Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry to be that guy that falls off, who is that guy for you? Uh, I think
0: pretty well-known it's Henry for me. I think Nick Chubb and Henry are two of the biggest avoids of the big name running backs this year. Um, but for Henry, Henry has – 303 carries in 2019, about 400-ish for 2020 if you include the playoff games, which added another layer of over being overworked. He was overworked all year, and then he goes into the playoffs and keeps going. That's 400-something 400, 400 carries. That's insane for a running back. on Back-to-back, you know, 303 the year prior. And then he has the fifth-highest college football carry season in the history of college football. And then on top of that, he rushed for 2,000 yards, which the tail off is half or sometimes way less drop off from that 2,000 yard season to the next. Now, granted, there are only other like seven other running backs that have rushed for the 2,000 yards before, but if you look at every case, only Barry Sanders came close to repeating. And the argument people will have is, well, even like close to half of that production would still be a good you know season for a running back,
2: but you you mix it actually say, it won't. Well, maybe it actually won't in his case because of the deficiency of the passing game. Yeah. He only caught 19 passes last year. Yeah. He did not finish as the RB one in fantasy football. And he had 2000 yards rushing and 17 touchdowns. Yeah. So if you have a 300 to 400 yard drop off from Derrick Henry this year, and maybe the touchdowns come down to 13, 14 range, he, he's a top 10 fantasy running back, but he's not a top five.
0: He's on my bold predictions as an avoid. So we're not, Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm
2: kind of with you, kind of with, you, you. know,
0: and it's going to get a lot of, of hate and stuff, but, you know, it, it feels right. And even if I'm wrong, if I'm a year early, it was still a safe uh, concern um, given that, you know, I know he's different. I know he's built different. I know that the off-season footage of him working out kind of influences people. And they're like, oh, God, right. but how could you be on the verge of getting hurt? Look at this workout. He's got a big chain around his neck doing push-ups in the in midair, floating like a magician. But it doesn't matter. Your knees are your different. Your knees are different. Cutting on the field. And this is a right. 245 pound six foot. What is he? 6'3. Six, 247. 240, 245, 295, whatever the hell he is. He's a linebacker running the football. And, and hitting the ground over and over is different for a Derrick Henry than it is for us. You know, I agree. Falling on the ground is going to do more damage time, in, time over time on that frame than it would on our frame because that's just a lot of weight hitting the ground. Um, it's like LeBron James getting, like, hit, hit to the ground every time. He looks like LeBron James out there running the football. Uh, That's a good comp, man. It's a good and, comp. And, 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 then, and another another thing that worries me, too, is that it's not like he's dividing up, like you just said to your point, dividing up his workload like Camara is to maybe inch out a couple more seasons or something. He's battling it out between the tackles, getting mm-hmm. hit most. And I still have yet to do this. So I wanted to deep dive on the tackles. I I I would be shocked if Derek Henry wasn't one of the most hit below the waist running backs in the NFL.
2: You know, because
0: he's got be. to be. Like I will, I I still have yet to go into the stats, just, so I'll admit I'm wrong if I'm wrong. But he's got to be
2: because, well, well, dude, just logistically,
0: right? Like, it's, but on top of has to on, be on top of that, on top <laughs> of the height and everything. Like, who wants to tackle him? You know, from the That's waist up. Saying. So he's got it. So that right there, the odds of him getting like a knee injury from from that alone, like add it all in, and it's like there's like three red flags, and I'm I'm out once there's multiple red flags, and you know like Clyde, a guy I'm still high on, in Clyde, if I was worried about Clyde be getting hurt or something, then Clyde would have multiple red flags. Clyde's got one huge red flag, which is usage, and he's got to overcome right. that. But his ADP, I think, offsets that a little bit. So no one's safe from me. B- you know, labeling them as an avoid if there's multiple like concerns and red flags
2: that are separate. So. Right. Henry's I'm with you, him in, uh, before I leave, I'll, I'll, end this with one more thing. Alvin Kamara finishes the RB one in fantasy football last year. He didn't crack a thousand yards rushing just as a perspective, right? Derek Henry finished third. Yeah. But Alvin Kamara didn't need a thousand more rushing yards to finish number one. It, his production came from the red zone and as a as a pass catcher. So, uh, yep. it's it's a good it's a good conversation, man. But I appreciate you bringing me on, Smitty, and I'm excited to see uh, your your interview with uh, Jason. Yep,
0: I appreciate you, man. Man, everybody go follow my boy Rob at, at uh, Fantasy Football State of Mind. Um, yeah, right above his head. He's got forty nine thousand, something
2: like that. Forty five. Hopefully, forty nine. Forty
0: five Forty five thousand people can't be wrong. Go follow him on IG. <laughs> And uh, we'll see him next Tuesday. He's usually our Tuesday uh, edition, so appreciate you coming on, man. It's, it's
2: Bro, it's Thursday, but I appreciate Thursday, you, sweetie.
0: Thursday, <laughs> Tuesday and Thursday show. Later, man. <laughs> Later, man. <laughs> our Thursday guest, I'm sorry. So next up will be uh, Jason Moore from the Fantasy Footballers. He is coming on um, in just a, a few minutes here. Uh, and um, let's see, I want to put that up here. So Jason Moore... The fantasy footballers so he's coming on next i'm going to put that right here and uh i'm going to take a short break real quickly leave that right here for you and let me put an overlay on here so that you guys know that he's coming up real quickly whoops Actually, you know, I'll hang. I'll hang here. We'll just. Uh, I'm not going to take a break. I don't need a break. Who needs a break? Jason Moore is coming up, and uh, if you guys have any questions for Jason Moore, please put it in the chat, and I will uh, try and ask some of your questions for for Jason when he comes on. So drop a, uh, a question in the comments here. And so let me let me get him in the room. And send him a little I'm gonna put a little some little tunes on while I, I do a little 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 break. Don't go anywhere, Jason Moore's coming up right now. All right, what questions do you want to ask Jason Moore? He's coming on right now. Let's talk rookie running backs with him. That will be topic number one. And uh, we'll get him in here. So, Jason Moore, inbound right now. We'll talk rookie running backs. We'll talk... Um, we'll talk sleepers too with him. I think, I think we'll, I'll ask him what, what players he thinks can have a a real good shot at, at breaking out in 2020. Um, maybe we'll talk about a few guys uh, that he's worried about too. Um, I could ask him about Henry. We could ask him about, uh, Zeke Elliott. What are his thoughts on Zeke Elliott and these rookie running backs? I think that will be some of the, the good questions. Ask him if his favorite QB of all time is Phillip Rivers. Okay. I'll, I'll see if I can squeeze that in, bro. I don't know, Leonardo. You got something better than that? Philip, we want to talk? To, you have Jason Moore from the Fantasy Footballers on, and your best questions about Philip Rivers? Come on, bro. Is that his favorite quarterback? I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's his favorite quarterback. Uh, we'll talk rookies. We'll talk. Uh, I think one of the better topics would be. Yeah, I think rookies, and then maybe. Um, I want to talk to Zeke Elliott with him and some some of these players that could potentially be a risk heading into 2020. Maybe the receivers. We'll talk about the top 10 receivers, who he has as outliers. But uh, here, share the link around. Let everybody know Jason Moore is coming on the show. So, here we go. Share that link, link around. It's an inside joke to piss him off a bit. I got you, Leonardo. I'm just kidding with you, man. Do you think that the chargers will pick up another running back? I think they could. I think that people ruling out the idea that the chargers could go running back in the first round. I'm not saying it's likely, but it's not improbable. Like think about Melvin Gordon and Eckler and how well Eckler did when he was in that PPR role. So I think it's a fantastic idea to be honest with you. Um, Jason Moore, ladies and gentlemen. Jason, we're live, All just right. so you know. What's up? What's up, man? Nice to finally get you on the show. I've had uh, your counterparts on. They did a fantastic job. People loved them. And uh, very, very glad to have you on the show right now. And I've got a room full of people that, that are excited to see you. So welcome.
1: Yeah, happy to be here. Glad you saved the best for last, but uh, yes, understandable.
0: Sir. Yes, sir. Um, we are pretty close by each other um i b- i believe if you yell outside right now i might i might actually even be able to hear you
1: yeah you're in the valley right i am that's uh well congratulations to both of us yeah we explain fantasy sports finally being legalized here Ridiculous. explain explain so uh you know like a lot of states uh, arizona is one where you can't play dfs um and that's been a long-standing battle uh stacy stern who's you know, one one of the leaders uh, of the FSGA, she's local from here and she's been spending years and years and years trying to get uh, legislation passed. We, the the ballers, have gone down to the, the local Senate here and, and been participants in years past to try to get legislation passed. But it finally happened. It was signed today by the governor. So uh, not just legal fantasy sports betting, but right. full sports betting sportsbooks will be open and legal in Arizona. I never I genuinely did not think that would I mean I mean eventually, you know, 5 5 years down the road, but I did not think we'd be here this quick and that that'll be in place for 2021
0: NFL. Oh my god. Yeah, I've I've reached out to a couple of the daily fantasy sports sites and and the typical, I think, time frame to get it launched and working on their systems is about a 1 to 3 month time frame, so just to let people know if you are in Arizona and you know you're, you're wondering when can you actually participate but man we've been at a disadvantage because you know it's hard to crank out content the same way on a DFS level you know to the to the to the likes that we like to crank it out with the efficiency and and accuracy when you literally have these limitations that are sitting in front of you so it's going to open the door to to the ballers to my show uh, opportunities are going to be through the roof and i'm i'm so excited man to be able to to not just go like fly a, a drone over with my cell phone over the border of a state and make a bet and fly it back. Like I can actually place a DFS bet and cash it out in my own name. Yeah.
1: That's, <laughs> that's, that is the the thing I'm, I'm excited about. You know, we, we talk uh, hypothetically, we give the advice on, on certain things. Now it's like, I, I want to do this. You know, we've in years past with uh, underdog or previously draft, you know, we'd, i I've played a you know a million best balls, but I can only play in the ones that when I'm traveling uh you know, I entered the league even if I don't start it for a while when I was in New York or whatever yeah, um now goodness my yeah my amount the amount of best ball leagues I'm gonna play is probably too many i mean i'm uh, i I'm gonna have to create some spreadsheets to track that stuff. I'm thrilled the
0: best ball drafts I'm going to get in those like crazy. I'm going to do a ton of mock drafts on those or not mock drafts, best ball drafts like all offseason long. So as soon as this opens up, man, I'm going to be I'm going to be live all the time doing these. Um so yeah, congratulations to us Arizona. It's long overdue. Uh how many states are left not being able to to bet on daily fantasy?
1: Um you know, I I don't know the exact number for daily fantasy. I know for the sports gaming since that was ratified of the constitution 26 we are now the 26th um country or country state but including Puerto Rico uh that has now passed legislation
0: that's awesome man i'm i'm so so pumped um so you know we have about a, a 55 minutes left in the show you can jump whenever you need to you can stay as long as you want to but one thing i was going to touch on right out of the gate was some of the rookie rankings running backs wide receivers um, who is it possible in your mind that the Arizona Cardinals, we're both in Arizona, still might potentially throw a curveball and 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 draft Najee Harris? He was someone I was pegging uh, to get taken by the Cardinals. You know, not 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 like fifty percent odds, but like you know, thirty forty percent chance that they want to give Kyler Murray a little bit more room to to squeeze outside the pocket and throw on the run to the, to Hopkins. Uh, without having you know defenses completely keying on him, and I think Harris would be a wonderful addition for this offense. But do you think that signing a James Connor number one completely eliminates that, or do you think if he's on the board, they they still would take it and they're paying Connor you know only one point four or whatever? And what's your take on the backfield in general?
1: Yeah, I I don't think that signing James Connor completely rules out the Arizona Cardinals from being able to draft a running back, but it it probably is the tiebreaker that will put us elsewhere. Like if Najee were to fall to us in the second round, yeah. I could see them saying, well, we did not expect this to happen. We can use our second rounder. But, I, you know, I don't anticipate that happening. Um, and if, you know, we're staring down Javante in the second like that. Uh, versus, you know, a cornerback that we need if we didn't do that in the first round, I, I would expect us to rely on James Conner. As far as the outlook of the Cardinals' backfield, um, one, I you know, a lot of people have been like super Chase Edmonds this whole offseason. He's going to yep. be the guy. I've never – you know, we're, we're both in Arizona. I've never thought that he was going to be utilized in that fashion at all. So I've never viewed him as this huge top-end talent for for drafts. However, the signing of James Conner is about as good as it gets for him because if someone were to come in uh, and and now has, you can't be much better than a super – affordable running back who played poorly last year and is plagued with injuries. So I do think, you know, uh, Chase Edmonds ADP will drop and he could be a real value in, in drafts now because of James Conner. Yeah.
0: I think they do ultimately go running back at some point, whether it's, you know, Hubbard falls to him at a crazy value or like they, they go another direction, but I think there'll be a rookie in there at some point. But I, I agree with you. The odds go down tremendously that they would take Harris and, People were really against it anyway before that saying that's not gonna happen. But I just felt like if I'm in control of this offense and I'm trying to get Kyler Murray to that that next level, I feel like that would be the difference maker for him. Um, and defense is already much improved. I, you know, obviously we need a corner. I think Farley or, or Sertain if they fell would be good options for him in the first round anyway. But um what what's your take on Harris versus ETN, ETN versus Harris, or are you a Javonta Williams? believer because if he landed in the he's the guy I think out of all these players could go right to 1.1 even though he's like right now 1.5 1.6 1.7 like it's crazy that landing spot could do that for him but what's your take on these three
1: yeah those are the big three for me as well as for everyone um I think where myself I know uh my co-host Mike uh are completely in sync on this but not everybody is I've seen Najee talked about as the third best uh back by people that I really respect which is insane to me uh Najee is so far and away the best prospect to my eyeballs to what I look for uh the knocks on Najee to me are he's older which is legitimate right you get a year less of value if you're in a dynasty league um you know a lot of times people knock the four-year uh college athletes which is more fair in you know at the wide receiver position um and also less fair if you're at Alabama, because you got to wait. I mean, it's, it's an NFL factory, so if you want your turn as a superstar college player, you're going to have to wait um, for that to happen. So I, I don't knock him really for either of those things. I think he's a complete back. He has everything I look for on film, and my favorite trait, when I'm looking at, like, not not just a, a, a weapon out of the backfield, but, like, a true – I want this guy to be dominant in fantasy football at the running back position. What I really want to see in college is the inability of defenders to tackle them. If it's one-on-one, if it's a one-on-one situation, okay, how many of those come up in a in a college game where it's like, okay, he got in space and now it's one-on-one, will he break this tackle or will the defender get him? I don't ever remember I don't ever remember seeing a solo guy just yep, no, he beat Najee on that play. It's like It's a village at the end of every play, taking down Najee Harris. I love that in college. I think that's going to translate. What's a better landing spot for running back, Miami
0: or Pittsburgh in your mind?
1: I think it's Miami. Um, The Pittsburgh offensive line obviously had problems last year. It seems like a team more on the way down versus a team on the way up. Those are two of my favorite landing spots, though. I think both are great ones, primarily because what the coaching staff has shown us is that they want a guy. They want someone who's going to be a three-down back. They want someone who's going to be on the field all the time, someone that's really going to control uh, the offense from the running back position, and I love that. I mean, that James Robinson last year was unfathomably great for fantasy, and primarily it was just because he got everything. He was 90% of the running back touches and snaps, um, and if that's happening from any team, we saw that for years obviously with Lev Bell, um, you know, in in Pittsburgh, and last year, it didn't it didn't matter who it was. If it was itty bitty Miles Gaskin, if that's the guy up, they're like, okay, you get all of the work. Oh, you're injured, and we're going to Ahmed. Okay, you get all of the work. So if either of them spend high capital on a running back, they will be a three down workhorse.
0: What about the Jets? You like the Jets like third or fourth in line, or
1: probably uh, fourth in line. Uh, the Cardinals, I, I would still say if they were to take someone. There's a lot of opportunity on a good offense. The jets, a lot of opportunity, not, a, not, you know, not a great offense yet. And uh, obviously you're going to have a rookie quarterback there. So that's not going to be super helpful. See, I love, I love that. Cause you're,
0: you know, I, I feel like everyone thinks I'm biased cause I'm in Arizona, but I, I really do see the value in, in taking a running back, but you, but the odds again, are probably a lot lower than, than I want them to be. Um, okay. So let's, let's play a little game here. So, uh, if the Jets are your fourth favorite landing spot, let's say Najee lands with the Jets, but Etienne lands with the Dolphins, who's your number one rookie running
1: back. Etienne lands with the Dolphins and Najee with the Jets. That is, that is re that, phew, I don't want that to happen. Um, <laughs> I I think I would foolishly put Etienne first. And I, don't I guess forced. that, that means, well, so here's, Here's kind of the, you know, we can relate it to what we saw last year where Jonathan Taylor was the guy that we really loved in the pre-draft process. I was uh, one of the lower people on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I, didn't, I wasn't as enamored uh, with the college film as most of the industry was, but when he went to Kansas City and was the only running back drafted in the first, it was an easy and obvious, okay, he's first. Um, I'm going to take him over Jonathan Taylor for sure. And then, you know, as the season played out, you're like, man, Jonathan Ziller's really good. We knew he was good. Um, the difference, though, is the Colts were still a good team. And I'm not sure that the Jets are going to be a great team. So I would I would probably still have the same logic I used last year and put Etienne ahead in that situation. I love Etienne. I think he's the best pass catching
0: back in this draft. Um, and, you know, he needs to find a good place that will cater to that. And, you know, there's some risk, I think, to like, he feels like he has weight, like more upside in my opinion, but more risk. And I think Najee has that like safe, uh, Marshawn Lynch type value, you know, where he could be six to 12 overall in drafts for, you know, four years, five years. And that's good. That's really good. Whereas I think ETN has the potential in the right spot to be a little bit better, maybe not even that much better, but a little bit better, but he could also be a complete bust if he lands in the wrong environment. But yeah, it's, these, these running backs are definitely the weakest part of this very, very good draft class uh, from, from Trevor Lawrence, who I think could have a top five uh, quarter, uh, top five future at the quarterback position. Um, how do you feel about Lawrence? Do you think he's got eventual Peyton Manning-like uh, ability? I know a lot of people hate to throw names around like that before you've seen a player take a snap, but I feel like I, I like to do that. I like to try and be predictive with things and um, you know, I try not to be reckless with it, but with Lawrence, I feel that this guy is truly special and he's going to be in that top five or six conversation very, very quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the goal, right, is to predict what's going yeah. to happen. And and if you can predict a superstar before they're a superstar, great. Well, this one's easier to predict. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people throw those names out. Uh, you know, the best prospect since Andrew Luck. I don't think I've ever heard in this entire draft season that. Sentence not thrown out when right. talking about uh, Trevor Lawrence. And and it's, it's true because it's very, very rare that the number one recruit out of high school is the number one recruit out of college. But when that happens, when the guy who was supposed to – I mean, I'm wearing a drafted to be great shirt. This guy was brought into college to be great and then was better than expectations, got better every single year – and now is the the you know the clear first pick in the draft, so yeah. I, I think he's going to be fantastic, uh, a a top six fantasy quarterback for eight nine ten years, and so yeah that that's that's exceptionally valuable for fantasy if you're in uh, any kind of dynasty league. Uh,
0: Derrick Henry, do you have concerns about Derrick Henry coming off a two thousand yard season, which typically of the other running backs that have ever accomplished that have have literally seen their numbers get cut in half or, in some cases, worse. Barry Sanders is the one that was closest to replicating uh, coming off that 2,000-yard season. But when you have a guy like Henry, who was at 303 uh, 303 carries in 2019, completely used, you know, uh, overworked in 2020, about 400 total carries if you include the playoffs. A lot of things coming together to make him, in my opinion, a pretty big risk at his ADP or the expectation level for him, at least. Um, do you have concerns that this could be the year Henry falls off? Or if not, what running back do you have concerns about that others might not have that you feel kind of similar about?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, we we just did our – this this week on the Fantasy Footballers, we had our top 20 rank, you know, our early pre-draft rankings of existing veteran running backs. I was the lowest on Derrick Henry, but I was still at six. I, I I don't expect him to fall off. I don't expect his workload to go away. I don't expect his legs to um, be tired from a busy season. Um, Derrick Henry has always been the outlier, right? There's so many statistical reasons why Henry shouldn't work, but he was the number three running back last year, and he was the number three running back the year prior. But again, I said I was lowest on him because there are concerns, primarily – I always want a running back that can catch the ball because you can't be game scripted out. And secondarily, there are – it's not just Derrick Henry and worries of like, okay, because he's had such a workload, his legs are going to collapse or he's going to get a season-ending injury. Uh, those things can happen to literally anyone. It, it, it's its almost irrelevant. Every single – I mean, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, the one and two last year, injured. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a running back, you can get injured. So take that out. The – team the offense is so shallow if A.J. Brown gets injured I mean that's going to be bad news you saw that even when they had Corey Davis last year um, the first three weeks of the season Derrick Henry wasn't this awesome guy when A.J. Brown wasn't there he was the running back 14 week one wasn't in the top uh, 24 running backs I think he was running back 36 in week two so um, yeah there are concerns for and you 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 lost Arthur Smith so there's concerns to me of the Tennessee Titans and the offense in general. Um, but I, I still, I'm not betting against Derrick Henry. It's just if I'm up at the top of a draft and I'm looking at other great options at running back, I will probably side with the other guys. that's I, 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 Exactly how I feel.
0: Um, I, there's always what I call a line in the sand where a player goes from avoid, 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 flips on over to a, a value grab and, I don't know where my line in the sand to be honest is with Henry. Um, probably a lot lower than I'm willing than than he's ever going to fall to. So I feel like I'm 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 most likely going to be a guy that doesn't own a single share
1: of Derrick Henry in redraft. I own him a one dynasty league. Um i ask pr- you two names that that came up on the show. I'm I'm curious if you take Derrick Henry or these guys. Uh Ezekiel Elliott. Cuz he he's in the same boat where it's like I don't know
0: I don't know how I feel about him because anybody with his kind of mileage is not relevant anymore. Like he has mileage that's crazy. And you know, a guy can look good. Like Derek kind of, Henry's, you know, so influential when you see chains hanging around his neck and he's doing push ups and you're you're not thinking oh you're oh he can't he can't get hurt. But but knees, they break down. Um, uh, Terrell Davis had talked about it before when he saw Todd Gurley running, he said Todd Gurley's done. Um and it's because he knows, Terrell, Terrell Davis said that there was a game he knew when his knees were just not going to cut it anymore, and it was in the middle of a game, and he still was doing pretty well the rest of the game, but he knew it was his last real solid game. Like, your knees can only take so much. A running back's different than any other position, and at some point, it it happens quick. It happens so fast, and Zeke Elliott already looked inefficient at times, and you could, you could play the whole, like, you know, well... Tony Pollard comes in, change of pace, different defensive scheme, does well. Very explainable why a backup could look better than a starter at times. The offense fell apart. I think he's a value grab at like 8, 9, 10 in maybe one or two leagues. But the fact that I will tell you it would only be one or two leagues, let's say if I'm doing 10 leagues, um, means that I'm concerned enough to not put all my eggs even close to to, in one
1: basket with him. A lot of people concerned with with Zeke this year. I am not... And then projecting that, but I get it. I get it. You don't want to be left holding the bag.
0: I think if you have Pollard, it's pretty safe. And, and I think it's crafty to have Pollard without Zeke, too. Um, but I think if you have Pollard, it's safe enough to deploy in a redraft. But in a dynasty, I don't want any part of what the the cost of entry is. You know, I'd rather go after wide receivers or something because right. And You'd that's rather the thing.
1: Trade a Zeke for a Chris Godwin if if you could find someone in your league willing to do
0: that. Uh, you know, I don't know about Godwin because I feel like he's oh. a lot like Odell, like very talented. You're, but will we we'll ever? You're
1: ruining my piece over here. I, you're yeah. ruining it, Smitty. Back behind the production uh, desk over <laughs> here is Brooks, who's listening in. Don't do and it. He has Zeke, and I have offered. Chris Godwin for Zeke and he should be taking this deal. And you were supposed to back me up on that and say, yes, Brooks trade Zeke for Godwin. Well, Um, no, let me put it, let me put it this way about Godwin. We're not talking about Godwin.
0: Let me put it this way. I feel they're very, very similar. Like there's a lot of risk for both of them. And I don't know that we'll ever see what we need to see out of Godwin. Um, to be that you know wide receiver one that we've been waiting for like Odell. Odell's talented, but we'll never, you know, we don't know if we're ever gonna see it, him him produce. But I will say that if you need a wide receiver or you need a running back, that would be a darn even swap with the same kind of risk I think on both sides. And Godwin's younger so if you're in a dynasty, it does make a little more sense. Um but Zeke Elliott, I'm okay with in redraft for one one or two leagues out of ten as long as I have Pollard And I think Dak, I think I love Lamb. Lamb's in my top five. I think Lamb's a top five wide receiver in 2020. You don't pay that. I'm not recommending anybody pay that. But I absolutely think he's going to explode. And Zeke might have one more year squeaked out of of top five to six running back production. Maybe. Could be. (laughs) Possibly.
1: Uh, Who's the other name? Uh, The other name was Aaron Jones. I don't know how you feel on Aaron Jones versus... uh... Derrick Henry if you're in a redraft league which way you'd go uh, there
0: um probably man in a redraft league I feel there I'd probably go I would definitely draft Henry higher if push came to shove but it might be like uncomfortable for me to actually do it because in my gut I will want to go Aaron Jones so I think I would trade down and take Aaron Jones but get value out of that um Aaron Jones was such an interesting offseason uh move because Here he is, he's going to free agency, right? One foot out the door, everybody thinking he's gone. A.J. Dillon's the man, everybody overdrafting A.J. Dillon, not thinking that coming back was a a good possibility. And had he gone somewhere else, I would have been all out. I would have been completely out because here's a guy that has trouble staying healthy. He is touchdown dependent in a perfect environment that gives him what he needs in order to stay healthy, and he's going elsewhere. And the best thing for Jones was to return. We know what we're getting with him. We know the production we're getting with him. And Aaron Jones is top five running back upside. But the problem with him is the injury risk. Um, I I had him on my bold predictions, Jason, the year he broke out. And it was because he came in with his nutrition on point. He was completely ripped. He took the offseason seriously. So depending on how he looks and if he's taking care of himself, I don't know if you know, if you have any insider information for me on it, but... That will determine about how high I go on him because he's so injury prone and and I would have been out because he would have got more work somewhere else trying to make up for not getting that touchdown production. But Chase Edmonds smells a lot like that situation because, you know, here's Chase Edmonds, you know, everybody thinking he's starting, he's starting, he's starting, boom, he's not, you know, or maybe he's seeing competition. So I saw a lot of similarities between Edmonds and and Dylan. Um, What's your take on those two?
1: On Edmonds and Dylan? No, 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 on, on uh,
0: Aaron Jones and
1: Henry. Uh, I, I really like both of them this season. I, I would have Henry uh, ahead. I still think, you know, when, when you go back-to-back to back top three and you're dominating, and you're always dominating at the end of the season as well when it matters. If we're talking about redraft leagues, I, I'm not out on Derrick Henry. Um, I, I actually think this year, when I'm looking comparatively to the last couple seasons, I think there's a little bit more depth at running back uh than in previous years i'm i'm looking at you know 13 14 15 i think uh chris carson's my running back 15 i i like him this year so it's it's rare in the past i've been like man if you don't get one of these one of these four or six guys it's just it's over at the position um i don't feel that this year
0: do you like wide receiver wide receiver at all um i'm doing a lot of mocks where from the 12 spot i end up with you know, uh, DK and Ridley or or Jefferson and DK. If it's Dynasty, I like Jefferson that much. Um, and Redraft, he falls a lot further, which is awesome. Um, and if you want to tell me how you think, uh, what you think about Jefferson, while you're at it, that'd be great. But do you like wide receiver, wide receiver? And do you feel comfortable enough that you could land a Monty and a Clyde or a Clyde and, you know, a couple players like Mike Davis? Do you think you could deliver the same kind of winning production from a wide receiver, wide receiver approach from the 12th spot in 2021? Because every year is different. Sometimes it's easier yeah. to do than others.
1: Um I don't. I, I'm still, not, I mean, we've got a saying on our show, stay water. We don't ever want to just say, this is the strategy I'm using. Yes. You know, every draft's going to fall different. But in general, I don't like going wide receiver, wide receiver to start. Unless it's Dynasty. If it's Dynasty, I'm pretty much always going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver uh to start but um in a real draft
0: in dynasty you will you go wide receiver yeah, in dynasty the, okay. the
1: the lifespan of wide receivers yes. is just so much better than a running back and and when you're in a startup draft you know that's where all the the good young but veteran has already proved it wide receivers are scooped up and then you can grab as many as possible in your startup draft and figure out running back later that's that's my mentality in a dynasty startup draft Um, but in a redraft the value that wide receiver provides when when you look it's it's about opportunity cost right rounds three through seven um, historically and even ADP this year generally speaking there's just so many wide receivers that I think are awesome and in those rounds it's like running backs it could be they they could work out but they're not as, as sure if I go wide receiver wide receiver in the first two rounds then I'm kind of forcing myself to look at running backs, unless I'm willing to adopt a zero RB approach, which is fine. I don't enjoy that, so I don't ever do that. I I just I can't stand starting a redraft league where I'm scrapping and clawing and hoping that at the end of the season um, it'll work out. might be better this year with a 17-week season, but for the most part, I really like the value of wide receivers in rounds three through seven, and if I start wide receiver, wide receiver, I'm – Kind of screwing myself over for the players I prefer in those mid rounds. I like the the water example. I
0: tell everybody, draft to your strengths. You can't use a blanket statement for somebody that is really good at drafting Kelsey in the first round, or late or early second, versus somebody that, that botches that every single year. Or if you're good at drafting Mahomes at three point one or two point one two, and other people land the next Josh Allen, strategies depend on the skill set of the owner um and and i think that man i either hate my my wide receiver wide receiver redraft team when i mock it or i absolutely love it it's very risky but i feel like you know if those running backs fall you know even especially like Najee harris um which i don't know that you you would be able to land him later like in august if he lands in a good spot because right now he's just a name he's not an actual you know but in mock drafts i've got Najee and clyde or Najee and monty and monty i want to talk about next because I, I I saw a short clip uh that you guys posted on it too because I've been I've been talking about Monty for a while so when I saw it I stopped and and made sure I watched the, the the small clip there I think it was on IG but it's where Mike was shocked to hear that Monty was the number four running back in 2020 in most scoring formats yet he's being completely discarded but Nagy has been named the play caller in 2021 which is like the only thing i could think of that's as bad as if like adam gase was brought over to you know directly monitor monty's workload what do you think of monty in 2021 with that knowledge that gate that naggy will be calling plays and do you think he if he climbed into like the third round would you take him or is he like a You know late third early fourth he'd
1: he'd probably need to go a little later than the third for me to really want to jump on the David Montgomery bandwagon Uh, Nagy doesn't doesn't bother me that much um I'm not saying he's great but uh, you know he's had a Mitchell Trubisky problem he's had a quarterback problem and and that's you know play callers always look so much better when their quarterback is good um you know Adam Adam Gase was great when he had Peyton Manning and so uh, I think that's really the issue with the Bears um, and obviously at the end of the season last year David Montgomery was unbelievably fantastic and it was still Matt Nagy running the show as the the you know the main offensive guy there um, my issue is last year what we saw was a real great you know a, a perfect storm of losing Terry Cohen and Having the easiest running back schedule through that stretch. You know, you look, uh, you you had Cohen there the first four weeks of the season, and that's when you had David Montgomery as running back 37, running back 7, running back 39, running back 30, those weeks. Then when he was the guy, he was pretty much uh, top 24 running back or top 12 running back almost every single week the rest of the way out. Um, So I, I do think that, you know, with a little bit more competition there, healthier bodies in the backfield. I don't think his workload will be as extreme as it was last year. Yeah, Monty's tough. I I think if I was in a
0: a wide receiver, wide receiver bind, you know, I went wide receiver, wide receiver, and I needed a running back, he would be a good bet. But I I certainly am concerned about the workload and the way he felt with Nagy just dragging him down. Um, Such a a high expectation we all had for him entering his rookie year, Um, but... Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's, it's good value. Do you like, uh, and I mentioned him earlier, Justin Jefferson. I feel like out of all the wide receivers, my two favorite to be the most likely, like, and I'll ask you the same question. Give me one or two wide receivers that are the most likely that no one would expect to finish number one overall for all wide receivers. So it has to be kind of shocking. But, you know, Jefferson's not all that shocking. I think Lamb probably is a lot more shocking. But those are my two. Um, who do you think could be number one that would shock people? Number one
1: overall. So you've got Jefferson and Lamb. Uh, to speak to Speak to those two guys, I, I, I love both players. I think they're great. I think they could potentially be the, the number one. I, I still believe that it will be – and I've actually shifted my, my thoughts since the end of the regular season last year. But I, I still think Amari Cooper will be the one as far as fantasy wide receiver – from the Cowboys on that team Um, but if we're looking for players who could be the number one overall fantasy option without um, being drafted like that some players that might come to mind would be DJ Moore who I think is uh, going to see you know with Curtis Samuel gone the offense presumably better possible quarterback upgrade might be neutral um, and the fact that you know the touchdowns weren't really there um he would be a name that I would throw out there um outside of that crazy uh unrealistic probably not going to happen but a name that I think has the physical ability and could have the quarterback upgrade and maybe just lights the world on fire would be Terry McLaurin because I like that you know you, you need a little bit of magic he's got the speed he's got the Physical traits, and now he's finally got a quarterback that, that can get him the ball. He's been a good fantasy option with trash at quarterback, and now you've got a guy who is going to throw a lot of uh, passes far in the air, sometimes to the other team, but all that means is he's going to throw it more. um So I, I, I like Terry McLaurin a lot this year.
0: I like those two. So you heard it, guys. By low on McLaurin, by low and DJ Moore, Jefferson Lamb, obviously, been beating that drum for a while for all of you, but i like i like all those options as as some very very overperforming players given their adps um any 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 idea who could maybe do that at the running back position that's not expected to be top five that you could see being top five
1: at the running back position we'll that's say it's top not, five yeah that's not top five who could be top five um let me pull up my running back rankings and i will i will tell you um and i won't i won't just tell you who i think i'll tell you who it will be um okay. <laughs> get your pens the, out people yeah um at, at running back if i were to pick someone that's how 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 far down do you want uh i mean obviously why don't you like pick a, a medium
0: range that that might not shock everybody and then somebody a little bit deeper
1: all right we'll go me, medium range i think cam Akers could okay. could do it um you saw Todd Gurley, year after year, be the number one running back in that system. I think the system is better with Matthew Stafford, and he took over that role. He is exceptionally talented. If he gets that workload that we saw at the very end of the season and into the playoffs, I mean, he could be a guy with a ton of receptions, a ton of rushing touchdowns, and everything in between. So he, I think his ceiling is exceptionally high. Um, And then as far as someone a little bit further down that could possibly finish that high. This is one where it's all going to be about the NFL draft. I know he's going to be drafted later because he was undrafted in the NFL. But James Robinson was already a top 10 running back. And if he escapes the NFL draft without another high capital running back being drafted, and that is a massive if but if they are saying he is our guy going forward I think that the offense is going to be certainly better than last year more more touchdown opportunities for him and every time you watched if you just you know not a lot of people watched Jacksonville Jaguars games last year but if you did get the opportunity to watch the film it's just like he's another guy where every time he touched the ball it was like a a really positive play Uh, nobody could tackle him on first contact and he can do it all. So um, he's not going to be a highly drafted guy because of his NFL draft capital and the the presumption that the Jags are going to be bad, but he was the running back seven last year coming into year two quarterback upgrade. So there's, there's some things so long as the backfield stays as it is uh, that could
0: point him upwards. I like that. And we talked about, that was funny because at the beginning of the show, it was a lot of Acres talk, a lot of James Robinson talk, like literally like an of hour the, spent. Of
1: your show today, yeah,
0: on this one. Yeah.
1: I was not watching, but yeah, okay, I agree.
0: So, well, no, no, uh, I w- I disagree with you on Akers a little oh, bit. Um, I, I like his with talent. You. I like his talent a lot. I just don't trust the the Rams and and the fact that I feel like you know there's still a little bit of injury concern for me, especially his style plays very aggressive with his own like neck and, and he can unlearn some of those things, but I worry a little bit about injury. I worry a lot about the Rams coaching staff, but I love the talent. I think if he got the volume and, and I trusted the volume to be there, which I feel like coming out of 2021, there's a 2020, there's a lot of momentum for that. So I do like him, but I feel like he's getting way overdrafted. So the, the, the whole conversation that I was having earlier was that at, you know, I, I see him going at nine, 10, 11, like first, player drafted value and it depends on the mock draft you're doing especially dynasty is going that high and to me that's just way too high but i love james robinson and i went on a big rant about how everyone's off the rocker talking about how he's an unrestricted free agent those guys never get second contracts priest holmes arian foster there's always outliers and there's psychology behind this in fantasy football where you have people that doubt a guy like James Robinson because they didn't find him and they want so badly for him to fail so that they can, they can be vindicated in their doubt that they initially had or they're missing him. And James Robinson off of his 14 games uh, was, you know, a thousand yards, 10 total touchdowns. The dude looked really good. 4.5 yards per carry, I believe was the stat um, average uh so give him a quarterback give him room to run I absolutely think they're going to utilize him and I agree with you he is that top five running back potential and in dynasty would you be shocked if I told you maybe you know that his
1: his dynasty ADPs like in the third round no that doesn't shock me at all I mean it's one of those things where I mean I just I just touted him and I can see Mm -hmm. um you know a a great future for James Robinson if they genuinely and I believe they should if I were the general manager uh, of the Jaguars I'd be using all the capital you have in the NFL draft on on every other piece your your running back room is fine with Carlos Hyde and James Robinson if they do that I think that he's got a bright future but you know, you the, the shades of Philip Lindsay, right? Philip Lindsay came in undrafted, uh, rookie free agent, and was awesome. Was a was a running back, won his rookie year, over 1,000 yards. And then it was like, eh, you know, but there wasn't a lot of investment in him. Mm-hmm. They didn't use him as much the following season. He was okay. Then they go out and sign Melvin Gordon. Now he's not on the team because there's no investment. Um, and this isn't even the regime that really brought in. Uh, James Robinson it's not the not the same coaching staff that utilized him last year so I get in a dynasty startup I'm probably avoiding James Robinson because those early picks are so important I want assured wide receivers early in my dynasty startup if I just light my third round pick on fire and there's too large of a chance that that happens even if I don't think that should happen that I would probably avoid James Robinson in the third yeah, I mean that's what a lot of
0: people share that opinion. I, I just think he's a he he's in a safe place there. I I don't like him higher. Um, I actually was shocked at my own rankings when after I heard he was like everyone kept debating it on a clubhouse room I was in, and I went, and I'm like, okay, let me mock draft this, and I couldn't put him in the top, uh, 24, but I still love like by default love him in the third round. I think I think J.K. Dobbins is another good one that could potentially crack the top five. I think Antonio Gibson would be another one. If I had to throw out two more that you didn't cover and, and make no mistake about it. I, I, I even said this at the beginning of the show acres is capable of it. There's no reason he can. It just comes down to, do you trust the Rams? Um, you know, they didn't use him for a long time, uh, until the end of the year. <laughs> so, you know, my, my avoiding him in 2020 worked out for the most part, because by the time he got going, it was a, a little too late for a lot of people, but, um, you know he's a he's a talented guy and if he gets the volume he certainly could could be you know five to ten worthy for running backs i i, I don't disagree with that um saquon barkley and uh do you got to go
1: no no I'm, okay i'm good we'll we'll okay. finish this we'll finish this out
0: okay we got yeah, we got you. about 19 minutes here so saquon barkley Looking pretty good coming off the, the ACL injury so far. A lot of film out there of him doing these, like, amazing lunge jumps. And um, I, I have a little experience with knee injuries myself. Torn ACL, torn LCL, torn meniscus, torn MCL, torn my patellar tendon off my kneecap. All at the
1: same time?
0: No, no.
1: Oh, I was like, that was a brutal <laughs> No, this is, is injury, per- injury. I mean, yeah, a lot in- of these are at the same time for Saquon, right? Well, he had all- the, the ACL, the MCL, and the meniscus?
0: All of them were the same time, but the, the patellar tendon. Um, okay. so yeah, I tore all that, but I tore my patellar tendon off my kneecap. Um, and so it was like floating in the lower part of my thigh. And I was like trying to push it back in place. Like the 10 second rule. I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if it was like the Mahomes, like out of pocket thing, you know, mm-hmm. oh, but yeah, you know, I up here you. wasn't a good move. Yeah, um, I but, passed out. so I have a, I have a lot, I'm versed into the injury stuff, but I can say for, with certainty that, that when you have a, a quad as strong as Saquon Barkley's, uh, when you have uh, surrounding knee muscles that a lot of other people don't have, your knee joint itself is tighter from the get-go. So that's one reason Adrian Peterson had such a good recovery because he trusted his knee. There wasn't compensation involved, uh, like with other players that might not have as strong of a, a leg um, to you know kick off that recovery. I, I firmly believe that Barkley is going to have that Adrian Peterson-like. I'm not saying he's going to rush for 2,000 yards, but I think he's going to look like he didn't miss a step or a beat at all coming into 2021. And it's so rare to do that. And look at like Dalvin Cook, you look at other running backs, they overcompensate. They oftentimes get hit with like a hammy injury uh, during that season from the overcompensation. But Barkley was, you know, he's been climbing from like nine, eight. He was kind of right around Zeke where Zeke was uh, a month ago, two months ago, but now he's climbing into the top five overall in redraft. Uh, do you agree with that? What's your take on Barkley? Are you avoiding him? Break that uh, down.
1: No, no, I've, I've got him in my top five running backs, and that means he's probably in my top five picks for redraft. Um, there are definite concerns. Um, th- the fact that it was the ACL, MCL, and meniscus meant that he didn't actually get surgery because, you know, it was, it was an early injury, which is mm-hmm. great for timeline usually, but he didn't get surgery until October, um, so that pushes his timeline back a little bit. So I believe it's possible that Saquon could get off to a slow start slower than you want when you draft him top five. But I definitely think he's going to be awesome this year. And I would be willing to take a slow start, uh, because, you know, I, I think the Giants offense has the opportunity to be good. Uh, you get Saquon back, you add Kenny Galladay, um, and that, that should be, matter for your offense and um, Daniel Jones he's not my favorite but a right. lot of the end of the season was not fair to him with the injuries he was dealing with the fact that I remember one game watching it and it was like why are they allowing him to be in the game because he had already he had already had that injury and you watch Daniel Jones he's he's an mobile uh, rushes for a, a surprising amount of yards but more important than that Uh, you know escapes the pressure and rolls out part of the fumbling problem but you watched him in this game this is a quarterback that doesn't know how to play as a statue you know he's not a pocket only passer and he couldn't move he couldn't even like move to the right or left a little bit and I was watching this game like this is on the Giants this guy should not be in the game so I think that he's been knocked a little bit too hard for the what we saw at the end of the season um I I like Saquon I'm 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 in but he might be an even better trade for target if he gets off to a slow start at the beginning of next year.
0: Yeah. Good point. Uh, Quarterbacks. Um, Mahomes, I assume is your number one. I like him. I think he's going to be good this year. I like him. (laughs) Yeah. He's solid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Solid Number two, number two and number three in redraft and number two and number
1: three in dynasty for quarterbacks. Um, Number two and number three uh, in both are going to be the same. Um, It's going to be cut. Kyler Murray and Josh Allen I want the dual threat I want the ability to throw the ball they're both young enough where um you know for dynasty or for redraft it's the same I go back and forth all the time on Kyler versus Josh Allen I think I've got Kyler ahead and here's my rationale Uh, Josh Allen was awesome I mean he he played the perfect season for him I don't see him going up a notch from what he did last year. Last year, to me, is if I'm drafting him, I hope he repeats. He looked awesome. I don't see why he shouldn't be just as good. But Kyler wasn't perfect. Kyler really looked, you know, he he didn't always look great. Um, And I, I think that he has room to actually improve on last year. I don't think he's peaked yet. So I would take Mahomes, Kyler, then Josh Allen. And to your point
0: on the on the Kyler, you know, needing to improve on a lot of different levels is inefficient. Made some bad decisions. I, that's more reason why I'm saying draft Najee Harris if he's there, Arizona Cardinals, please. Um, my I'd say Josh Allen's my number two across the board dynasty redraft, uh, but Herbert's my number three, and I think especially
1: dynasty or redraft
0: in in both, and I think if Hot. Herbert. Well, I don't know that it's that – I mean, chat. Tell me in the chat if you guys think that that's bull. But for, I think for Kyler's redraft. right there.
1: You what? For redraft, I think it's a, a, a little hot take. I mean, I get it, right? He was unbelievably great. Um, and, and taking a step forward, he should be even better. But his rushing that he started with in the beginning of the season completely went away, which is kind of what you expect for someone yeah. with his arm talent. Um, but that hurts for fantasy. And then the defense – what, that was plagued by all the injuries last year I think will be significantly better. I don't think he's going to have to be in a shootout every single game like he was last year. Um but I but I get it. I mean, I get taking the shot on Herbert. He Does your looks mind
0: awesome. Does your mind change if somehow Devonta Smith falls to the Chargers
1: to 13? Does uh, do yeah. T- yeah. I'm a big Devonta Smith fan. <laughs> okay. If he went to the Chargers, I'd be very sad. I would be very sad. Why? Because the Cardinals are three picks later. Oh, and, uh, oh my <laughs> okay, god! I got you. If like I'm fine, fa- Devonta Smith I think should be drafted in the top ten. But if Easily. he gets that close to the 16, Easily. I'm going to be so upset. Easily. Um, but does that
0: make Herbert your number two quarterback, especially in Dynasty, if he gets Devonta Smith, or let's say Kyle Pitts? Let's say they move up because I think, and I know I'm so offensive minded, and I admit I'm biased. I'm very, very. Like, I always want offensive guys to be taken, but I strategically, you know, I run out of offensive players from this rookie class, so I can't put offensive players in every team, but I target certain teams. I'm like, this is where Kyle Pitts would dominate. Uh, Kyle Pitts in in a Chargers uniform or Devonta Smith would make Herbert a bona fide number two overall. He could, you could make an argument for higher, but I'm just going to stop at two and say if Devonta Smith or Pitts are on roster, he is a bona fide number two dynasty uh, quarterback. Um, and, and I'll go as far as to say, I, I, I agree with you. I love Smith. I don't know why people doubt him. I know that people worry about his 170 pound frame, but he's great at press coverage. I, I believe led the entire FBS in yardage, touchdowns and receptions in press coverage. And he also, out of everybody in the FBS, I think had over 600 or more yards than every other receiver. The guy is just phenomenal. Dominated everybody. And and I don't understand how there's this doubt around him, but tell me your thoughts on Devonta Smith and then circle back to the, the Herbert
1: thing. Yeah, Devonta Smith is my clear-cut number one wide receiver in this draft. I totally actually do understand the fears people have. You look at the metrics and, you, I mean, to be 6'1", you, there's there's like – Virtually no example of success in the history. Marvin Harrison was near that, so maybe one. Um, it's just not a body frame that has ever worked in the NFL. And so on that alone, and then you add in the usually four-year prospects at wide receiver are not good bets to be great fantasy. Both of those things don't matter to me at all. Um, Alabama, you're you're behind three other first-round NFL draft picks, okay, he needed to wait till year four. It's, it's, it's a unique situation. And when it comes to the body type, I cannot possibly look at film or look at analytics and say that this guy's not just a perfect wide receiver prospect. I'm not going to look at the scale. I'm not going to look at a scale on the ground versus film and stats and say, look, this guy's just he's an outlier. Um, So I absolutely love Devon Smith. He is, I I hope, and I think he's going to be great in the NFL. Um, Let's say he goes to the Chargers and whether that means Herbert is in that conversation for the number two in redraft, he wouldn't be for me. Um, I wouldn't call it hot takey if someone put him there. I need a guy who's going to run. If you're not Patrick Mahomes, I need a guy that's going to run a ton to put you at number two, and that's going to be Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. Lamar Jackson I I, I mean I I, I understand fantasy you gotta you
0: gotta have the wheels and I understand I mean I have Kyler right there I have Kyler at three two two three you know even my rankings right they switch they switch around I'm like you I depends on what I ate for breakfast um but honestly I think this quarterback class is is just so deep like even Burrow at eight it doesn't detour me away from going quarterback early though And I get coined a lot in the industry as being the early quarterback drafter when really I just support all avenues of quarterback consumption. Um, So whether it's Mahomes at 3.1, I'm ecstatic about, or if I have to take Josh on at 4.01, I'd do it in a heartbeat. But I still cultivate those breakout quarterbacks so that I can make a trade and trade one of them off. Are you never drafting Mahomes at like, 3.01 3.01 are you are you set in in like I can get running back and wide receiver value and I'll always stream my quarterback or find a good value quarterback because this class is so or this pool in 2021 is so deep or are there times where you do take Mahomes cuz he is the best player on the board
1: so in reality when I'm doing real drafts I can't remember other than one time last year and we're in, obviously in a lot of leagues that I pull the trigger on that early quarterback if if Mahomes fell to the middle of a third um, you know I, I would definitely be willing looking at the board instead of taking a tier or two or three down on running back or wide receiver I could see myself pulling the trigger on Mahomes I'm not like anti that I'm not going to shame that as as a concept but for the most part I am I'm if I'm not going to get Mahomes at the very get-go I am looking more for the breakout or the guy that is disrespected, one of those two, that's going to be rounds 8, 9, 10, 13, whatever, and stock up uh, depth at the non-onesy positions where you need flex options, you need bi-week replacements, you need injury replacements, you know, all the time. Quarterbacks just so easy to get away with having one on your roster. I need depth at running back and wide receiver. And, and one quarterback last
0: year that I was so high on, and he was so disrespected. I don't know if you guys felt the same way there, uh, but Aaron Rodgers, like ninth, 10th rounder. It was insane. He was 37 years old. You can obviously play well past 37 years of age, and he did not lose anything talent-wise. It was a complex situation where Devonta Adams was hobbled. He got he was out for a big portion of the year. Even when he came back, he was lingering and hobbled, and they, they basically transformed, you know, they makeshifted, their offense into a run-heavy system that fed Aaron Jones, what was it, 19 TDs on the ground, whatever that number was. And so he was so doubted coming into 2020, and he was a value. He screamed value. And there's one quarterback that comes to mind this year that, f- that fits that mold. And by default, even if you tell people that you're going to take him, he doesn't go because there's so many other names that just by default go ahead of him. But it's Russell Wilson. He's falling to like 8-9 out of all drafted quarterbacks and to me because he's capable of being a 3-4 overall quarterback I'm not saying that there aren't consistency concerns or now you know there's issues there in house is he happy but he's got DK Metcalf he's got Lockett he's got Carson um this offense is still going to produce and he's fully capable in my opinion of returning to the top 5 quarterback conversation anytime he wants um what do you think about him as the eighth drafted quarterback and does he feel a little bit Aaron Rodgers to you from last year
1: uh yes and no I mean he's he's a value there he's going to be a quarterback one for sure this year he is every year um you alluded to it a little bit but my issue with Russ is the consistency um you know I I when you have someone like Russell Wilson you pretty much have to play him you play him every single week you're not streaming that position He's in your lineup. The problem is Russell Wilson has a lot of bad games. You know, he has games where he actively hurts you in fantasy um, because they just decided to run the ball a lot that week. And now the team is really, they haven't just come out and said, we want to run the ball more. They've made the changes. The offensive coordinator after meeting with Pete Carroll said, I'm going to quit because I disagree with you as a difference of philosophy. So um, I I definitely think Russell Wilson is going to be, You know, if you look at you get him at eight, is he going to finish above eight next year? I would say probably so. So you you can call that a value. But in a redraft league, did he help you win a championship? Did he help you win more games than he helped you lose versus getting more value somewhere else and then streaming the position, playing good matchups every single week uh, so you you actually have a higher bar of consistency? Um, You know, I probably won't be going after... Russ, unless he drops to the 10th round or so, th- then then you can be like, okay, I'm going to stream with Russ. I'm going to play the right matchups that I like um, and 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 not play the other ones. Are there any quarterbacks you feel
0: like I feel about Russell Wilson that, that are falling like Burrow or Hurts? Um, anybody like um, that that stands out to you that, that could be a absolute like win a league type land later on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll be – where he is now when he's drafted but Jalen Hurts to me Mm -hmm. is going to be a phenomenal fan he's going to be a top five quarterback at the position Uh, you know right now I'm looking at him and I see him in you know the eighth round I will grab Jalen Hurts in the eighth round all the time I don't believe that's going to be realistic when everybody comes back you know assuming that uh, no Justin Fields drops to the Eagles and they and they take him if if Hurts is the guy um, I, I think he's going to be much higher. Um, if I'm talking about other wide receivers that I think are going to be disrespected or forgotten, I'm not sure where people will be drafting Dak, but I would very much prefer him over Herbert, who's you know your number two. You look at the receiving core, and it's, it's better. It's better than – even if you add Devonta Smith or Kyle Pitts to the Chargers, I think the receiving core – is better in Dallas and the defense is worse and the propensity to just air it out is there so uh, he's someone that if he drops in a draft I'm going to be really excited to scoop up.
0: I mean look we saw him play at an elite level before he went down and and there's no denying those options and you heard how high I am on uh, on lamb so it wouldn't shock me at all if he flirted in that you know four to six range no question and it wouldn't shock me if Herbert took another year to get to that that two level maybe i'm a year early in redraft we'll see where i rank him uh closer to august but i i still firmly believe he could drop those kinds of numbers and 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 when i say he's number two on my rankings my rankings are also a little bit different because my rankings need to be used with adp um (laughs) because where i rank guys is not where i recommend people draft them um so sometimes people will see like Devonta Smith sky high on my dynasty rankings. And then they come out of a draft and they're like, okay, I took them and everyone laughed at me. You told me to take them high. Uh, so, you know, it's a little different from where I rank them. And that's a tough thing with what we do, right? Cause you got to pick, you got to pick, are you going to guide someone based on ADP, but with some advice of, you know, where the sleepers lie, or are you going to produce a set of rankings that you predict to be the actual outcome and then advise someone to ensure they use ADP. So that's something I struggle with for all 18, uh, 19 years that I've been doing this, uh, and, and I tend to stay with the, the where I predict them to actually fall. So me ranking them two, I get away with drafting Herbert as late as I can, you know. So let me clarify that. Um, Kyle Pitts, you brought him up. Everyone's talking about him. Everybody's pretending they found him. It's getting a little annoying. Uh, everybody loves him, so tout him up. And uh, and tell me how how uh, how high do you think he could be ranked in Dynasty after
1: one calendar year? Um. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I feel like I'm the anti-Pitts guy, and Ooh. it's not because I think he's not great. He's the best receiving tight end I've ever seen. Um. So I'm with everybody. He's unbelievably great. But there's a long track record of first round tight ends not working in the NFL the way that we hoped the hype didn't hit they take a while to come to their own that's widely known uh you know the Travis Kelsey's and George Kittles they didn't do it in year one and they also weren't first round draft picks um Kyle Pitts is awesome he's gonna be great but when I'm looking at rookie rankings rookie startup drafts you know I see people talking about Pitts at two you know or definitely top five uh I think we we had a footcast today where uh, we were talking about the 109 and you know I was saying well if Pitts can fall there and my two other co-hosts and maybe rightly so were saying that's impossible to that pick that Kyle Pitts could fall there if I was drafting every single pick like I was it was 12 Jasons in that league there's a good chance Kyle Pitts would be there at the ninth spot I think that's about where I would be willing to draft him because um, I don't I just don't like holding and developing the 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 tight ends and maybe I'm insane um he like I said he's unbelievably talented and I think the destination is going to make a difference um there are a couple of destinations at the top of the draft that he's been mocked to that are not good yeah Um, I don't like there's already another tight end there you know if he goes to the Broncos and uh he's with fan and no quarterback Detroit really Detroit exactly you've got TJ Hawkinson and a bad quarterback um Philadelphia needs a, a you know as many weapons as they can have and they've had the two tight end system but then it's Dallas Goddard and you know there are spots he goes where I think just saying well the talent is so great that you've got to take him at the very tip top and he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer I think
0: that's carried away so uh, one of the last things I'll say, uh, uh, I'm playing in a league against Andy, actually, and uh, it's a league with Darren Waller that he's in for charity. Uh, g- give me a little, like, tip to, uh, to throw him off during the draft.
1: To throw him off during the draft. I, I you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you're not going to throw him off. He's going to smoke all y'all in the league. He's going right. to represent our brand. Um, and, I mean, that's just how it is. I got to represent the ballers over here. This is the one with Hugh Jackson. <laughs> yeah, Hugh Jackson. Oh yeah. he's taking. It, he's taking. Hugh Jackson. T Pain. Yeah, I'm telling you this. Hugh Jackson's the reason Andy's in this league, because he's Hugh. The Hugh Jackson's been a, a a figure on our show uh, for as long as we've been around. A fun time. I think Andy has. I don't think it's on the set, but in the office, a signed Hugh Jackson uh, autographed picture. Because um, Andy was a Hugh Jackson believer, while Mike and I were not. Um, and then it's become a funny bit. But, uh, yeah, we're all rooting for Andy as far as how to throw him <laughs> off. Um, you know, maybe try to uh, trade him Cardinals or guys that he says Done. he really likes. And maybe he'll pay up a little bit too much for it.
0: Since we're close, so maybe I'll just have a bullhorn uh, airing outside really loud, pointed in your direction uh, so that it distracts him. Because I think we're, like I said, I think we're about two, two to five miles apart right now.
1: Oh, really? Um, wow.
0: And uh, yeah, so so co- hopefully COVID doesn't you know do anything this season to delay the, the you know or postpone games. Um, I guess that would be my final question to you. Do you anticipate a modified season at all? Do you think we get through this COVID thing? Pretty. I,
1: I said this over and over and over and over last season when the pandemic was truly horrific and and horrible, and nobody knew what was going to happen. I said the NFL will start week one on time. It will finish the last week on time, and it will go off without a hitch, and it and it did now a year later with the right. vaccine rolling out. These are going to be packed stadiums, and nothing is going to get in the way of the NFL making its money. That's yeah. what it comes down to. That's we- why I said it last year. It, it, there's, there's no worry at all that something uh, COVID-related is going to stop the NFL from happening on schedule. Yeah, and I'm ready for everything to get back to normal because, like, even my radio
0: show, I, I'm not sure if you've ever heard me on um, since you were in Arizona, uh, The Red Zone with Russ Bliss. Um, we've been doing it. It's twenty it was 23 years going, longest radio show in the world, fantasy football, terrestrial radio show, or or at least top two. We tried to find other ones um, that, that was delayed or, or or canceled for that one year so it kind of put our streak at you know it, it ended our streak um but you know that should be kicking back off um it's just man covid was a it was a pretty crazy year and kind of just a, a tough thing for everybody in general obviously everybody had a lot, a lot of uh I, I hate to like bring our um you know the negative things that it brought to our lives up when people had it had a lot worse but it, it's gonna be nice to have the football season back in full Full capacity um you know and and be able to to you know go to games and things like that do you, do you guys go to a lot of games or do you watch them all from the studio there that's uh, like we like go to i do
1: games unless they're on thursday night or monday night because we've, we we're here in the studio we've got nine big screens uh that we put all the games on uh so we're we're trying to robotically watch every snap of every game um so uh, monday night thursday night we try to get to a game if it's here
0: yeah, that's the definitely the goal on a on a game like that, like a Thursday night game or something like that. Okay, uh, Jason Moore, thank you for joining me. You were a fantastic guest. Everybody in here had a great time. Uh, plug, not that you need to, because you guys are the biggest fantasy football podcast around and show but tell people where they can find you and maybe what you're working on and then you can get on out of here
1: sure i mean we're we're part of the fantasy footballers you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts and uh the fantasyfootballers.com. and of course draft season's coming up what we're working on is the ultimate draft kit we've had it for several years it's it's a proven winner um we pour our hearts souls blood sweat and tears into that thing so you can find that uh at ultimatedraftkit.com.
0: Awesome, man. Yeah, you guys are definitely pioneers in the video space. Um, you know, even somebody that's been doing it as long as I have, like I look up to you guys and uh, think you've done such an amazing job paving the way for everybody that does video and, and, and podcasting. It doesn't have to be video, audio, podcasting. You really help keep and get, well, really get and then keep, Uh, you know, fantasy football relevant for a lot of people. So without you guys, it would be a much smaller industry. I, I 100% know no doubt about that. So, appreciate it.
1: Appreciate the kind words. That's very nice.
0: Yep. All right. Jason Moore, thank you. All right. Have a good one. Yep. Thanks. So, good guy, good crew. Uh, Andy was awesome when he came on last year. I had Mike on earlier, Mike Wright, the hitman, and now Jason Moore. So, we've completed that trifecta. Go give uh, those guys some love, fantasy footballers, on all their social media platforms, and of course, like you said, go get the draft kit. Obviously, you want to get the sleeper U draft kit as well at sleeperu.com. I mean, if you if you want to get both, I would then recommend the footballers. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, great guys, awesome. I love I love talking to all those guys, and um, you know, they are obviously an inspiration in the industry. What they've done, how quickly they did it, too. You know, they, I, I, it hasn't been that many years that they came onto the map and the scene. So fantastic, uh, fantastic, uh, short and amazing career and long, long career those guys have ahead of them. It's, it's fantastic. Like, I forget, I think they started in like four or five years ago. I should have asked uh, Jason what was the exact start date, but it was like four or five years ago and they literally have gone from zero to to being, you know, the biggest, I would say biggest podcast and show out there uh good to know dynasty stonk says what are you talking about bro uh what's up voice of reason what's up ivan i'm out of here thank you for joining me it's been another great show um i decided to move over here because i was just sitting in that seat way too long and i had to uh i had to get into a different position man i was my back was hurting three hours is a long time these shows are they go by quick but they do take a toll on your body when you're in the same position the whole time Thank you all for joining me. The Fantasy Football Show Live. We're here every single Tuesday and Thursday from 4 p.m. Eastern to 7 p.m. That is 1 p.m. Pacific time to 4 p.m. Pacific time. But just know, we start at 4 p.m. Eastern every single Tuesday and Thursday. You can find me at thefantasyfootballshow.com or you can go to smitty1.com. Everything I have, you can find at smitty1.com. Media, you wanted to jump on real quick, real briefly, bro. Because I got to get out of here real briefly. I'm going to send you a, a link real quick. Okay, media. I don't want you to get upset at me. So hold on. <sighs> media. Don't want you being I don't want that sad sad face, bro. Hold on. Where are you at? There you are. Okay, hurry up. I sent you a link. Great stuff, brother. Congrats on getting the Clubhouse Champions League. Thank you. I appreciate that, Ivan. Thank you for the invite, for those that invited me. Um, yeah, I got a lot of good leagues. Um, that one that I talked about with uh, Jason Moore was with Darren Waller and um, and Hugh Jackson. t Payne is in the league. Uh, K- uh, Chao Nash, another um, musician. Uh, um, I'm going to say... Um, um marcus grant from i believe nfl.com or nfl network uh michael f florio is in that league as well but there's a lot of good names it's going to be fun i plan on beating darren waller by drafting darren waller so what's up media What's going on? What do you got for me? You got literally like two minutes, and then I'm out of here.
3: Okay, hit, um, hit me, hit me, anything. Diner talk. Tell me what the Niners are taking. Why? I, I wanted to hear your opinion on like Raheem Mostert real quick, like in fantasy. Um, so I love Mostert. His talent is, you know,
0: right up there with anybody in that like seven to ten fantasy running back range in terms of talent and skill. But he's a big injury risk, so you can't draft him there. You can only take him. You know, I would say I've done a bunch of mocks um, this last week, and I haven't seen him go once in the top five rounds. So that doesn't mean he can't be that good. Like a lot of people yeah. in here that are Niner, you know, faithful will be like, "Well, you don't think you'll be a top five round player?" I'm just saying where his ADP is, and you don't want to you don't want to discard ADP because ADP will help you take advantage of winning your league. So, if you like Mostert as the number six running back, I'm not saying he is, you don't Mm -hmm. draft him there because you don't have to. So, six round on, I don't even know where his ADP would fall, but it's going to be six round on. And does he have the potential of being a top ten running back per start? Absolutely. Like, Mostert is, like, when he's on the field, it feels like he's going to rip off a 60-yard run (laughs) almost every time he's on the field. I think Mostert has phenomenal upside at six, seven round ADP.
3: Okay. What do you think? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on that. It's just that because he's not able to stay healthy. And I think just the Niners, they need a running back who can actually mostly stay healthy. And... What
0: if you trade it up into the first round again? You take Fields or Lance or whoever. Mm-hmm. And then you trade up into like the 20 round. 21 and you took Najee Harris. Can you imagine?
3: Like, So how... I, I heard like a report about that like they've met before or whatever, but I'm not sure if that will actually happen. I would I would be really surprised because the fact that, like, Lynch, I mean, Shanahan just, you know, likes to, he doesn't really draft running backs, especially, like, in the first three rounds. I would say he likes to go a lot of that um, undrafted route. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Um. we'll see. I think Shanahan's doing things that, that maybe are not out of character for him anyway, but they're bold and aggressive. So he's kind of in a bold and aggressive state of mind. And I think I, I I didn't really predict you guys to trade up to three. So early, I thought maybe you contemplated the more pressure was put on, but you did that pretty early. And, and I'm not saying it's out of character, but it definitely feels aggressive, more aggressive than I thought he would, you know, they would be. So maybe you would potentially go get a running back. Imagine, that though i mean the funny part though is yeah. when i say that to you you know a a analyst of everything niners right mm-hmm. do you feel like if you had fields and harris even if you gave up a future first rounder in the second round yeah, yeah. to move it up do you feel like you are equipped to win right now in your this this year to win the championship this year like do you feel like a, that better equips you
3: um or do you think I it would, would be better s- to have a defensive player I feel like hmm, I feel like I'll go the defensive route just because the fact that's always what the Niners have like done, like they're very strong on defense, but I wouldn't really mind a running back because I feel like throughout this regime like they haven't really thought you're, much about offense. They do well, they're ruining like, you're ruining they worry too much about defense.
0: You're ruining my point. You were supposed to say yes and then I was going to say, then why aren't teams doing it? Why aren't teams getting aggressive, but you just ruined it. But it's okay. You're honest. That's fine. I want you to be honest. doesn't mean you won't disappoint me. Um, but I I feel like with the Cardinals situation or the Niners, if you told me that the Niners got Najee Harris, I would tell you that that makes Kyler better. That makes this offense a top five overall offense, and it makes us – Capable of of beating teams like the Niners in the playoffs without even you know without anybody being shocked.
2: Motion detected at the front door. Alexa,
0: show me the front door. It better not be you, media. Okay. Who is this? Mailman. Um, Alexa, off. I think that that you would have a much tougher time defending us and stopping us and we'd be more capable of beating teams like the Niners with a good defense, good all-around team. And so like then that makes that then I, I asked the question, why on earth would anybody think differently? Like, why do these teams not consider it when it's literally the move that makes the team most potent and most difficult to defend? Like I get it. You get a you get a guy like Farley or Patrick or certain um <laughs> and you put them on the roster. We we are a better team. But I think the offense is what we need to work on for, as the Cardinals, we, we need to, we need to make sure Murray's healthy. We need to make sure Murray's efficient. And I think adding a guy like Najee Harris, I'm so tired. I, I've been on, I can't even speak clearly anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to hang up media. All I know <laughs> is that nausea Harris is the pick. And I think he makes Kyler Murray better. And that's why we need to do it. Um, I mean, one you last... do have
3: to put in point. You do have to put up points in this league. And we've seen that from the chiefs. So.
0: Yeah. One last, Thought on the Niners. Go ahead. You have one minute, and then I'm hanging up on you.
3: <laughs> okay. Um, my I want to switch real quick, but I think that I really do hope we go cornerback in the second round, just because the fact that I think we like as a team we're undervaluing that. Just because if you look at the receivers in our division, also pretty like we we might even have to face the Kansas City Chiefs again if we make the Super Bowl, and we have to be able to you know cover those receivers we have to be able to stick up with uh Tyreek Hill we have DK Metcalf in our division Cooper Cup.
0: it is a tough division the best division in the NFL in my opinion no no I don't feel that Pittsburgh and Cleveland and the Ravens are going to give our division a run for the money no media I think we we have the Cardinals the Niners the Rams, the Seahawks, potentially four teams. All four could have double-digit wins. And that's going to be crazy. I, I, what did I just do, media? <laughs> um, thats I'm banging my desk and I'm knocking stuff off. I knocked a whole bunch of wires behind there. I'm out of here, media. Right. I appreciate you chiming in. We're way over time. Um, I will catch you on the Instagram side.
3: All right, sounds good. Right, Have a go good follow one.
0: my boy, media. Uh, give a shout out to your Instagram channel real quick.
3: Uh, my Instagram is Forty Nine Er Media. Get All it. spelled out. Yep.
0: <laughs> Later. All right, I'm out of here. Appreciate every single one of you. Where's my outro music? Uh, it's been a long day. I can't even talk clear. I'm compl- like when you do a three hour show, it it does wear on you a little bit. I'm getting used to it still. It, you know I've done 24-hour live streams um, so I definitely can hang but three hours every single Tuesday and Thursday like once this becomes Monday through Friday which is the eventual goal I'll get in a rhythm I'll be good with it I can usually talk without much interruption I can usually rant like I did the first hour or two on two or three topics so no big deal for me I didn't even get to rookie rankings which I had on this board uh, see a media. Sorry, I hung up on you so abruptly. Peace out, everybody. I will see you Tuesday. Of course, I'll be posting videos on my channel, which you can find at smitty1.com or the Uh But I upload pretty much a video every day. But my live show will be back every Tuesday and Thursday on the fantasyfootballshow.com. And don't forget about my text service, hey smitty.com. Hey smitty.com want in-demand texts from me, you want to work on your trades, you want to talk about Netflix shows, which I'm almost better at predicting and advising on than I am fantasy football, let me say, go to heysmitty.com and get yourself the text service so that we can start chatting. I will see you all later. I
3: appreciate you. The fantasyfootballshow.com. Learn about it.